Hey everyone and welcome to Icons and Outlaws, your all-access backstage pass to the legends of the music world. I am your host, Jonathan Sayer. I am Jay Fro. I am not Logan. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode eight, Journey. Now remember to stay to the end of the episode to listen to our version of Journeys Faithfully, which you can find on Spotify and on our own curated Icons and Outlaws playlist. You can find everything about the show over at iconsandoutlaws.com and make sure to subscribe and tell your friends. All right, Jeff. Yes, sir. First memory of Journey. I was a small town girl living in a lonely world. Oh. And I took the midnight train going anywhere. The midnight train, did you? Yeah. All going right. anywhere, though. Anywhere. Okay. Well, yeah. the midnight train goes all over the place. It that's, does. That's the other podcast. Anyway, Logan, <laughs> what about you? Do you even know who Journey is? Um, Journey to the Sun of the Earth, right? That's an old book. No? Oh, come on. You Already? Suck. Yep, right off the rip. Yeah, I know who Journey is. Uh, they I, don't have a Zeppelin on their cover. <laughs> yeah, and sucks. John Bonham is not the drummer. <laughs> yeah. Who? Never mind. Did you catch that Facebook post, by the way, I put up there? Which one? The one uh, with Prince as the picture, and it says Nirvana's drummer. Yes, yes. And I then saw. what was the name? It was it was Bob Dylan. Bob yeah. Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nirvana's drummer, Bob Dylan. And yeah. It's a picture of Prince. I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, this yeah. is right up Logan's alley. That's yeah. a t-shirt for him. That is definitely. Well, listen, welcome back to all you listeners out there. And uh, if you're new here, hey, welcome. You Hi. Know, welcome back, everybody. Um, we are back. I knew we were a little bit late this week. But that's okay. You had a nice trip to Ireland. I did. I went to over to Ireland with uh, my wife and some really close friends, and it was an absolute blast. Did and, uh, you get a chance to check the music scene out there? Actually, the music scene's amazing. Really? Almost, almost every pub is it a lot of like has music folk, folk kind no, of stuff? No, it's it's acoustic. Yeah, for the most part, but it's usually like you'll go in and you'll find someone playing like because uh, they're a little bit behind on the times when it comes to music a little bit. Okay, just a little bit. Yeah, you know. And uh, so, a funny story before we get into this and talk about Journey, the amazing Journey. Uh, we walked into a pub and uh, it was like the end of the night. We'd been drinking all day long. I'm pretty sure it was the first day we got there, so we're dragging nice. hard from jet lag. And we go in and we're like, you know, we're feeling pretty good. And we go in and we, we're ordering drinks or whatever. And there's an acoustic guy playing, and he was awesome. So good, and he's doing a bunch of like you know American songs. I'm not not American. I get not American. You know, normal popular here, not traditional Irish songs. Okay, I'll put it that way. All right, and then all of a sudden, this little group of uh, younger people, um, they I guess figured out that we were Americans. Uh oh. And I love that they refer to us as Americans because I've never heard that they were like the mayor. So all of a sudden, the guy goes, "So what do you guys want to hear?" And they were like, American pie for the Americans. <laughs> and I just kind of sat there like, oh, no. you know. Right. And then they asked for Tennessee whiskey for us. Really? Yeah. To make you feel at home. I guess. And yeah, it wasn't like they were picking on us or messing with us because they ended up dancing with us all night. And it was awesome. So you're lucky he wasn't there because he would have been like, kill switch engage. And the guy would be like, what? <laughs> no, I would have asked for like a tiller or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they know hardcore. what that is over there. Could you, you know imagine I mean? them like, like screaming in Gaelic, uh, like a heavy metal song? That would be amazing. I can't imagine Irish people screaming at anything. They're so laid. Dude, everything, nothing is rushed over there. Really? At all. They're so laid back. And just whatever happens, happens. If Dude, they're not on edge like here? No, not at all. <laughs> and, and like we even went out and, uh, you know, we were going to some pubs with uh, our friend Katie. That's whose family's over there. And we went over there and, um, and I'll make this real quick. But anyway, so the older people closed the bars down 
And then they were like, oh, yeah, we're not getting up early tomorrow. Like, we don't get up early on Saturday or Sunday. Like, when we get up is when we get up. Wow. And I'm just like, that's amazing. Yeah, that would never fly here. I kind of want that lifestyle. Right? Let's move. Yeah. I'm Listen, I am all about going back to Ireland. Like I, yeah. it's um, it's seriously one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. So I'm sure to all, all our Irish listeners out there, and dude, trying to not do an Irish accent <laughs> when you're talking to <laughs> yeah. Irish people because you don't want to be like Especially insulting, when you're drunk, too. right? Yeah, I could see that. Uh, so the people we went with, Katie, Katie, Bill, and Grace, every time it starts slipping into it, they're like, shh, <laughs> shh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hey, so anyway, congrats to Bill, by the way. Congrats to Bill. Our buddy Bill got uh, a uh, he got engaged while we were over there. Very cool. Yeah, so it's awesome. And uh, we are going to be doing a uh, bonus episode for, for not really even for the train, just in general, just talking about uh, our our excursion over there. And also, Bill, thanks for one-upping us because all our wives are like, oh, oh. Yeah. He did it in Ireland. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was suddenly uh, my engagement's like, yeah. and yours, yeah. <laughs> and yours. They're, it's they're all just like, my, well, it yeah. wasn't Ireland. Yep. <laughs> it nope. started off the whole vacation started off with a really, really, really uh, scary yet funny thing that took place. And if you want to hear about it, sign up for Patreon over patreon.com oh, forward slash accidental dads. Or just go over to iconsandoutlaws.com and you can actually click on the Patreon thing there as well. All right, enough of that stuff. Yes, let's talk about. The band Journey. Yeah. All right. So they came together in San Francisco in 1970, uh, 1973 under, uh, you know, the, the, the tutelage of former Santana manager, oh. Herbie Herbert. And you're going to hear a lot about Herbie Herbert. His, okay. name's, his name's Herbert Herbert. Double letters. <laughs> Herbert Herbert. Herbert H-H. Herbert. Yes. He also managed the Steve Miller Band. Oh. I hate the Steve Miller Band. Do you really? Oh, I cannot. You know, we had a discussion about Some this Some people work. call me the Space Cowboy. Yeah. The Fly Like an Eagle, it was on 98.5. Yeah. If you're not familiar, in Ohio, 98.5, especially in Northeast Ohio, it's like the classic rock station. Right. And that's all they play is that in Pink Floyd all day long. And that's what my guys in my shop listen to. So I walk out the one day and it's just, you know, and I walk by and I'm like, oh man, this LSD is really kicking in, bro. And one of my guys is like, you got something against Steve Miller? I'm like, yeah, I hate him. They're like, oh. Wow. So then he turns it up. You're so judgmental i just don't like steve Miller. i know but yeah. well, one of my I'm favorite songs is uh true fine love which is a great song if you guys want to check out uh steve miller's true fine love such a great song from the 70s i'm a fan i don't want to say i'm a fan but i've got nothing against him you know well i like pink floyd which is odd see it's way better than pink floyd in my opinion but see i feel like steve miller is like the if like the jockey football team had to have like a hippie band that's the Steve Miller band. That's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, because back it. in the 70s, all the football players were going, doo-doo-doo-doo. <laughs> you don't know that. Maybe they were. I know. Maybe they were. Yeah, You're right. Yeah. You're 100% right. But he also <laughs> managed Roxette. Okay. You remember Roxette? B- vaguely. And the band that went, doo-doo-doo-doo. <gasps> what song is that, Logan? Who is that, Logan? Isn't that Eye of the Tiger by Survivor? Oh. Yes. You are correct. <laughs> Marau. No. You suck. No. Oh, the final countdown, right? Yes, there uh, you go. Who sings that, it? The uh, sticks, right? No, no. Uh, I, I just went kind of over there, right? Uh, it was uh, Ireland's part of it, right? Yeah. Isn't Ireland part of Europe? There it is. That the, that's the name of the band is yes, Europe? it's Europe. Do you know? Do you know how many so bands weird. are there's Asia, Europe? Mm-hmm. Well, what else is Africa? There? Africa. By the way, total mind blow the other day. So I'm following this guy on TikTok that's all about music, like old school, like information about music. And did you know that the Buggles, who were the first 
band on uh, video or uh, what is it? Uh, video kill the oh, radio yeah, yeah, yeah. First video on MTV, right? Yeah. Those guys went on to be in Asia. Really? Yeah. At oh, least wow. one of them did. Yeah. I think both. I think two of the guys did. Huh? It's just really weird. And like, uh, and then Toto, they were in Toto. It's just crazy. There's Kansas. There's Boston. I mean. Yeah, so much. You guys maybe, want to start a band called Cleveland? I was gonna say maybe our new project should be named after a place. I mean, I don't Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely don't call it Cleveland because everyone's gonna say Cleveland sucks. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How about Akron? Akron. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so Journey were actually initially called the Golden Gate Rhythm Section. Oh wow. Okay, and were backup players for established Bay Area bands. Originally, it included Santana alumni Neil Sean on guitar on lead guitar and Greg Rowley on keyboards and lead vocals. Hmm. So rounding out the band were bassist Ross Valerie and rhythm guitarist George Tickner, both from the band at the time. Amazing name. Um, Frumius Bandersnatch. Wow. <laughs> what? That's a t-shirt. <laughs> Swear to God, that is that is their... Uh, I don't know. So Prairie Prince of the, uh, of the Tubes, okay, was their drummer. His name was Prairie Prince, okay? After one particular performance in Hawaii, the crew quickly abandoned the whole we want to be a backup band for, you know, idea and began developing their own distinctive jazz fusion style. So when you hear the name Journey, you're not thinking jazz fusion, fusion no. at all. No. All right? And I, again, going through, I love this show so much and doing the research for it because I learn so much. And it's stuff that you would never guess. It's just insane. Yeah. So after an unsuccessful radio contest to actually name the group, Rodi John Villanueva suggested the name Journey, and that's how they got their name. Okay. Huh. The band's first public gig was at the Winterland Ballroom in, on New Year's Eve in 1973 to an audience of 10,000 people. That's a good first Yeah, it's a good gig. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's real good. And on the following day, they flew to Hawaii to perform at the Diamond Heads uh, Crater to an even bigger audience. Wow. Prairie Prince actually decided to call it quits and returned to the tubes shortly after. On February 1st, 1974, the band hired British drummer Ainsley Dunbar. Hello, my name's Ainsley Dunbar. And Ainsley. I, and I will smack the crap out of these drums for you if you'd like. Yes. That's exactly how he talked, by the way. I've yeah, seen I'm sure. videos. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. <laughs> Crazy old Ainsley. <laughs> so he had recently worked with uh, the one and only David Bowie. Oh, nice. And was also a member of the second version of Frank Zappa's Mothers of Invention. What's a David Bowie song? Damn, I Ooh, this is a good one, too. Uh, David Bowie. What if you only had one chance, one answer to answer Dude, there's so many. Come yep. on. Oh, I know exactly what it is. Ready? Yeah. Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> Jesus! No, the first. Like, How about ground control? I was gonna, to how major he, Tom. How he sings "Stairway to Heaven." Is it Rocket Man? <laughs> and you're flying <laughs> a stairway to heaven. That's I thought that was Bob Dylan. I don't know why. That's that was... so good. I like that. We should we should cover "Stairway" and do it as David. Do Bowie. it as David yeah. Bowie. Yeah, that's a horrible David Bowie imitation. <laughs> that by the way. was yeah. pretty good. I like. I it. apologize for that. So on February fifth, nineteen seventy four, the new lineup here of Journey de debuted at the Great American Music. Call showcasing in front of Columbia Record executives. Uh-oh. They signed a recording contract with the label following the performance and later performed at venues around the Bay Area. How many major record labels nowadays would be are signing a jazz fusion band? None. Right. They don't sign any bands. <laughs> because back in the 70s, it, it was yeah. it was all about the music and what you could do, you know? Nowadays. But isn't it funny how like all of these bands jumped on the very first deal? It wasn't like until what maybe the '90s that bands would like sit in a room and have to pick out of like six or seven. It was always like 
the first deal they got, they took it. But no they matter were if it also was massive crap. deals though back then. That's true. Like back then, you That's were true. you you had your own plane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now it may have crashed, unfortunately, but Aww. but you but you had a plane. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they put you on tour in, and we'll talk about it. These guys toured extensively and are still touring. I know. Wow. So and we'll get to that. Wow. <laughs> so Journey then went into CBS Studios on November 1974 with Grammy Award-winning producer Roy Haley to record their debut album, Journey. It was released in uh, April of 1975, entering the Billboard charts at number 138. This record was a jazzy, progressive rock album focused mainly on the band's instrumental talents. It featured songs like Of a Lifetime and the instrumental, I'm going to mess this up, Yahoo Tech. Both Yahoo songs, <laughs> Both songs actually pushed the seven-minute mark. Oh, my. Wow. And those were on the charts? Well, it charted. It charted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, think about that, though, too. Like, back then, you could get away with, like, the really long... Because they, they didn't have a... You can only have a three-minute long song, and there wasn't that formula where it's, like, intro, chorus, verse, cor you know what I mean? Well, it wasn't you can there. do it again now because radio doesn't exist, basically. That is true. You could do that, like... So, yeah. it's all about singles. Like, so, I mean, Riley could, loves that kind of, like, progressive, weird um, instrumental stuff. 15 minutes Where it's, like, 15-minute songs. <laughs> We were on the way back from West Virginia, and uh, uh, happy Father's Day to everybody out there, all you awesome dads. Ah, yes. And uh, we were on the way back, and Riley had control of the radio, and we decided to just kind of do a look up a new playlist, see, hear some new music. All of a sudden, you pop something up. It's like, oh, this sucks. Oh, this is cool. Wait a minute. Is that song 15 minutes long? Skip. <laughs> <You're immediate. laughs> yeah. Like, we're not even going to try it. So, so yeah, rhythm guitarist Tickner left the band shortly after due to the uh, heavy touring the band was promoting the album. And uh, allowing Sean to uh, uh, to take on the complete guitar duties. Okay, hmm. so Neil Sean was basically like he was the guy. Okay, Journey entered the studio again in late 1975 to record "Look Into the Future," released in January 1976, and hit the Billboard Top 200 charts at number 100. Wow. Wow. Something like all night. <laughs> I know. Night. You started that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the band promoted the album with a two-hour performance at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, which later aired on the radio as touring continued to promote their second album. They tore a lot. Every time they put any kind of material out, it's going tour. The big ones do, though. I mean, well, I mean with the as we go on, all the major, major bands that are like household names, yeah. they literally lived on the road for years. Yeah, yeah. but that's years. also where the money comes from. Right, yeah, especially know, back then, yeah. Album sales can only... And when you're a jazz fusion band, album sales, you can only go so far. And you know? now, I tried to get... I wanted to go to Rage Against the Machine so bad. Yeah. I just want to see him one time live, because I love Tom Morello. I think he's a genius. $130 for lawn. I was like, yeah, I'll pass. Where? Which, which well, you, awesome. you guys can knock me off my soapbox real quick for this one, but don't, don't you think that's kind of messed up for a band that was like, fight the power, yeah, exactly. and, and they're called Rage Against the Machine, they're like, hey, $150 to come see us. Well, I thought that was weird, but then I started looking at all these other bands that are coming, and they're all in the $100 range. That's all insane. Of it's, uh, they're like trying to make money back from being shut down for yeah, COVID, absolutely. which I get, absolutely. but still, it's like... And people will still pay it, because if you love that band, you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. I like them enough that I'll listen to them on Spotify. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so for this second album, Look Into the Future, the members of Journey toned down the overt progressiveness of their first release in favor of a more straightforward sound. The album also features a cover of the versions of uh, a cover version, excuse me, of the Beatles It's All Too Much from the 1968 Yellow Submarine film and 1969 soundtrack. It's an odd choice for yeah, cover. Yeah. yeah. The title track, Look Into the Future, was the longest recorded Journey song at 8 minutes and 10 seconds. 
until 1980 when Destiny from Dream After Dream would actually take over that honor. That's a long song. Yikes. I would be bored playing that. <laughs> Was it like Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven? Wasn't that like a... I think it's like seven minutes. Is it eight? Eight, seven or eight. Maggot brain was like the fifteen-minute song for back then. I mean, that Mother Earth is pregnant for the 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 time. Yeah, I mean that that was the one that they played at the end of the night on the radio. Twelve o'clock. When the DJ was signing off, he would play. Wasn't it twelve o'clock? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know how they used to? You don't remember because you weren't. There used to be this thing called radio. Okay. Well, I was going to say the TV sign-offs. Remember that when we were little? Oh yeah. And then it would be like the midnight, and it would go. It played the the not the national anthem, but uh, it's it, a poltergeist. I think it was the national anthem. Was it? Maybe. Yeah, it was like, burr, 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 and then it would go. Yep. God, you guys are so For, old. Until like the morning. Listen, we had analog. <laughs> we turned the channels analog, like click, 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 UHF click, 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 and VHF. Yes. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the only sign up I've ever actually heard of was like what is it, 99.5's like twelve o'clock lunch hour thing or whatever, when the early morning crew swaps out with the late, and they do like the whole national anthem and start singing yeah, bander. You and missed all, all the good stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or eh, kind of. <laughs> so from May to October of 1976, the band went to his master's wheels studios to record their third studio album. This one's called Next, which, just like the previous album, was produced by the band. However, they brought a much more commercial sound while keeping their jazz, fusion, and progressive rock roots. Remember, current, technically right now, they don't have a singer. Yeah, that's Okay, odd. they don't have a singer right now. So the album, I mean, they do. Neil Sean would actually sing a little bit here and there, you know what I mean? But for the most part, they were an instrumental band. They were a jazz, fusion, weird, psychedelic kind of crazy band. Yeah. And I had no idea that the guys who put out one of the most mainstream albums ever did that yeah you know it's so i could see it though just because of how talented the music is you know what i mean he, the singer's amazing but if you took him out of the equation you know like their their popular stuff the music is legit like the guitar playing the key playing the drums everything oh, they're like solid legit. Yeah. they're absolutely so you solid. could tell yeah it makes sense that they're yeah. seasoned musicians it, which is crazy though too that if you think about that they that instead of being like a mediocre you know musicians that decided to try their hand later on at like weird obscure stuff mm -hmm. they went the opposite direction where they were like it shows, again, like you were saying, it shows their level of talent because right. they're doing this real crazy stuff. And then it's like, hey, we know how to do all that. Let's just write songs that make money now. Okay. You know? Yeah. And you, we'll talk about it a little bit here. So um, just like the previous album here, next, this next record was produced by the band. Okay. Hmm. However, they brought a much more commercial sound while keeping the jazz fusion, again, and the, pro the roots to it. Right. So the album was released in February and charted on uh, the Billboard Top 285 this time. Moving on up. Wow. It would be the last album to feature Greg Rowley as the lead singer. Again, oh, so it was Greg Rowley that was doing it, not Neil Sean. Okay, uh, he's the yeah keyboard player or piano, yeah keyboard, whatever. So, uh, Spaceman with the instrumental Nickel and Dime was the single off the record, and unfortunately, sales did not improve, which led Columbia Records to almost drop them. Wow, yeah, you got it. You got to be making that cheddar. You got to go. About these times in their career. Guitarist Neil Sean has said, quote, I still think some of the stuff we did then was great. Some of it was self-indulgent, just jamming for ourselves. But I also think a lot of other things hurt us in the early days. It took a while for the politics to sort of shape up. Of course, you didn't really know what you were doing. You know what I mean? So Journey's album sales did not improve. Oh, no. <laughs> so Columbia Records requested they change their musical style and add a lead singer who would share lead vocals with Roley. And in comes Steve, Steve Perry, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, not at all. No? No. The band hired Robert Fleischman from the Los Angeles-based band Staggerwing. Sounds promising. <laughs> okay. okay. And began transitioning toward a more popular style. 
similar to like that of Foreigner in Boston, who were huge at the time. Okay. Um, Hot blooded. Yeah. Check it and see. I want to know what love is. Got a fever. That's Foreigner, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to know what love is. Love that damn song. Didn't Foreigner do the. Uh, no, never mind. Go ahead. Double Vision. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. It's not what you were going to say, is it? It was. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like that song. <laughs> So Journey then went on tour with Fleischman in 1977, opening up for bands like uh, Black Sabbath. What? Interesting. Judas Priest. Wow. So they were heavier? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So I'm going to say no. Emerson, That's... Lake, and Palmer. Yeah. What is that? Weird. It's a band. Obviously, but like what kind of is like along the lines of Black Sabbath? Do you know about no. Robert Palmer from the 80s? Yeah, that's the guy who palmed his like guitar. All he the time, had right? all the, the what was the song with all the girls and they're all in black with the red lipstick. Um, um, I'm on the t- it was oh. like damn, damn, damn. You know what I mean? And they're all dancing in sync and stuff. And he's for some in reason, suit all, all I have it. in my head right now is Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> 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 I don't know why. Uh, Simply irresistible. Yes, there was that one and another hit. He had another one too. Yeah, with those girls in it. Yeah, and they just like all had like outfits on and. Swagger. That's like Robert this. Palmer. Yeah. Robert Palmer. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, they went on tour, you know, and did all this stuff here. And the, the rest of the band began writing and rehearsing new songs, including the hit Wheel in the Sky. My favorite songs by them. However, this new lineup would be short lived because the band was introduced to that, uh, that, you know, that one guy I mentioned earlier. Uh, yeah, Steve Perry, uh, during a performance uh, before approximately 100,000 people at Soldier Field in Chicago. Yeah, so they were there to play, had this guy, this Fleischman guy or whatever, and all of a sudden they get introduced to Steve Perry, who at that time, arguably one of the greatest rock singers of that time. Dude, his range is ridiculous. Insane. Insane. So this chance encounter was significant because differences between Fleischman and Herbie Herbert, the manager, old Herbert Herbert, resulted in Fleischman's departure from the band within the year. Okay? Mm, okay. So they were like... He's arguing with the manager, and then all of a sudden, they're like, well, wait a minute. He's not getting along with the guy that gets us our gigs and gets us playing in front of 100,000 people. Um, We just met this other guy. Bye. (laughs) Bye. That's it. (laughs) So Steve Perry made his live debut with the band at the Old Waldorf in October of 1977, stepping into his master studios and Cherokee studios from October to December. Herbie, over here, manager, Hired Roy Th- Roy Thomas Baker as the uh, the new uh, the new records uh, producer. Okay, gotcha. okay. To add a layered sound approach, similar to a band uh, that Baker actually worked on before, um, a little English band called Queen. Oh, oh a little band. yeah, yeah, <laughs> little band you might have heard of. Uh, with a new lead singer and new producer in tow, the band's fourth studio album, Infinity, was released in January of 1978 and peaked at number 21 Ooh. on Billboard. Now. Definitely. Lights, the songs Lights, Anytime, and Wheel in the Sky were the singles, and it, it has currently, to now, has sold over 3 million copies. I can I can see that. Journey then set out on tour supporting the album and headlined a full tour for the first time. So according to Herbie here, tensions were high between Ainsley Dunbar, you know, that's the guy that I play the drums, <laughs> and the rest of the band due to the change in music direction from the jazz fusion sound. Guitarist Neil Sean said, quote, we would talk about it, and he'd say he'd be willing to simplify things, but we'd get out there, and after five shows, he wasn't doing that at all. <laughs> so in other words, they're like, dude, you got to calm it down a little bit. And he's out there like, you know, off time, like, you know, right, right. Yeah. and they're like, come on. 
That's that drummer uh, bloodline, man. That's that's what they do. Yeah, that's what he wanted. So oh, good I, ones. That's what good ones. I yeah. kind of would pay extra money to see a Journey song concert where it's something like that in the background. The whole time. Oh, that's what he was trying to do. I would love that. So finally, Dunbar's resistance came to a head when he started playing erratically and talking crap about the other members, which later resulted in Herbie, you know, manager Herbie, axing Dunbar after their headline tour. No. He was replaced by Berkeley-trained drummer and Montrose member Steve Smith. Berkeley, very, very uh, well-renowned He's musical school. school. Right? Yeah, he yeah, can read music notes. Yeah, I don't know. What's that? <laughs> There's these little squiggly lines that are, are supposed to tell you what to do. The ones with the flags on them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the dots? I know. The I know, cleft notes. I know cleft. treble. That's about it. <laughs> what does it look like? It's like three lines, isn't it? It's like a little 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 circle with a little hooky thingy with like three hookies with it. You know what I mean? I don't know because I don't know music notes. I think that's what a treble is. And then you have like the, the, the double or the it's a half note where it's two individual beats on it, I think. Right? I know what a whole note looks like. Um, all I know is I'm all about that bass. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> God. No trouble. I'm just saying. <laughs> Where's my... Did it, that, we got to get that on good. here. No, that's you good. hit the you suck. That one, that <laughs> yeah, one works <yeah>. better. <laughs> so Perry, Sean, Roly, Smith, and Valerie returned to the studio at Cherokee Studios in late 1978 to record their fifth album, Evolution, which was later released in March of 1979, peaking at number 20 on Billboard and selling yet another 3 million copies. This album, which would be a milestone for the band, gave the band their first Billboard Hot 100 Top 20 single, Lovin', Touchin', Squeezin'. Peaking at number 16 and was all over the radio. And that song is, it's good. Is that the one that's like, la, 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 yeah. at the end? Na, 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 na. Yeah. So I have a little Lovin', funny thing. Touching, squeezing each other yeah, yeah that's, that's you've seen the movie god now i get it hold on hold on i'm sorry you're tearing me apart yeah sorry <laughs> every ever sorry people anyway <laughs> i love that damn song I, I sent to our group chat i need you to post something on our facebook page okay have you seen the movie the star is born or a star is born the new one with lady, with lady gaga, gaga, lady yeah. gaga. Yeah. and uh what's his name bradley cooper so the whole time my wife really likes that movie so we watched it yeah mm-hmm. the whole time i'm laughing she's like what is so funny and i'm like Lady Gaga looks exactly like Steve Perry. Look at the picture I just put in our group chat. I mean, you couldn't tell Steve them apart. Steve Perry. Wait, that's Gaga? Yeah, in the movie. In and that then movie, Look yeah. at the Steve Perry picture I put in there. Yeah. Same person. <laughs> <laughs> she was so mad at me because she loves that movie. And she's like, what is so funny? I'm like, you have no idea. Like, it looks exactly like the singer from Journey. She did, I thought she did great in that movie, to be honest with you. It's a she's good movie. She's very talented. I just couldn't. I don't know. The only thing. I you know, that's so funny. That's a remake, you know. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Barbara Streisand from back in the day. The only thing I've ever seen Lady Gaga ever perform in other than her music Super was uh, that. Uh, uh, we'll be covering her because she's amazing. The, the TV show. Uh, American Horror Story. Yeah, that. Uh, uh, yeah, was the hotel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, so back to Journey here. Following the tour in support of Evolution, the band expanded its operation to include a lighting and trucking operation for future gigs. Oh, now we're getting the tour. Oh, yeah. The tour had grossed more than $5 million, making the band as popular as it had been in five years. Journey later then entered um, Automat Studios to record their sixth studio album, Departure, released in March of 1980, peaking at uh, at number eight on Billboard. The first single, Any Way You Want It. We know that oh, one, right? Yeah. Any way you want it, that's the one. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Hey, oh, you got oh, that range. Oh, that was, that was pretty good. Thanks. That wasn't bad. Oh. Well, it peaked at number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1980. The album featured an edgier sound, thanks partly to the live-in-studio way that the songs were recorded. 
They initially went into the studio with 19 tracks, eventually trimming it down to 12. This record would also go on to sell another 3 million copies. I know. I know, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so founding member and keyboardist Greg Rowley left the band following the departure tour to start a family and undertake various solo projects. Okay? And you're going to hear about all of these different projects as we go through this. Like, it's these guys do not stop. They just don't stop. Wow. They don't stop believing. Get it? There it is. But I do need that. <laughs> you killed my phone, by the way. <laughs> How did I kill like, it? I can't even restart it. Oh, EMP, baby. I know. Yep. Like, what the hell? For those I've of you that maybe knew here. I'm like, um, trying to hold it down and it won't restart. For those of you new to this show, if you <laughs> haven't listened to the other show, yeah, I am a walking EMP that just kind of... Like, as soon as I sent the Lady Gaga and Steve Perry picture... Lady Gaga killed your phone. Yeah. It, like, my phone just legit just... Died. Dude, like, you're not joking. Yeah, I know. So it's it's funny about Greg Rowley actually leaving um, after this because this is the second time he had departed from a successful uh, band in his career. Oh. Yeah, he left uh, Journey and Santana. What, is he dumb? <laughs> Apparently. Thank you, Logan. So yeah. keyboardist Stevie Keys Roseman was then brought in to record the lone studio track, The Party's Over, Hopelessly in Love, on the band's live album, Captured. Rowley suggested uh, pianist Jonathan Kane of The Babies as his permanent replacement, so with Kane's synthesizers replacing Rolly's organ, <laughs> Kane had become the band, the band's new mem- member. Okay, so instead of just playing an organ, this guy's you know it's in the eighties. Always go synths. Yeah, they got synths going on. That's what I'm talking about. So with Kane joining as the new keyboard player, the band entered Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California, in late 1980, releasing their seventh studio album, Escape, in July 1981. Escape became their most successful album, charting at number one in the United States. In addition, the album had a ton of hit singles, including Who's Crying Now, Still They Ride, Open Arms, and the iconic Don't Stop okay, Believing. I was going to say, that's got to be why. Yeah. yeah. So in July of 2021, this record was uh, certified diamond, selling over tw- uh, 10 million copies. Certified diamond. 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 Oh, and, town, girl. and this is something for you nerds out there, and especially you two right here. Yes. Um, Escape, this new album that mm-hmm. has sold over 10 million copies, had its own video game. What? Wait, what? <laughs> Get out of here for Atari. <laughs> uh, well, Journey Escape was a video game developed and manufactured by Data Age for the Atari 2600. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and was released. Was this the one with the cover where it's a U- like a UFO? It's yeah, it's red. Got, like the triangle yeah, yeah, on it. Yeah, it yeah. looks almost identical to their album cover. Let me look it up. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Would you guys like to hear the plot of the game? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let me guess. <laughs> you go on a journey. Well, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you ready? Hold on. Yeah. Let me get my... <clears throat> My, uh, my voice here. You're on the road with Journey, one of the world's hottest rock groups. A spectacular performance has just ended. Now it's up to you to guide each Journey band member past hordes of loved, crazed groupies, sneaky photographers, and shifty-eyed <laughs> promoters to the safety of the Journey escape vehicle in time to make the next concert. Your mighty manager and loyal roadies are there to help, but the escape is up to you. Not going to lie, you kind of gave me goosebumps wow. on that. But that's amazing. I kind of want to play that now. <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. So these other bands out here that you've, we've talked about and we're going to talk about, they may be successful. They may have been successful, but they're not a Atari 2600 yeah, And it looks like successful. Space Invaders. Yeah, that's the cover of their album. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, the game looks like Space Invaders. Oh, does it? Yeah, I see it. Oh, my God. That's so, like, is that, that's 8-bit, right? Yeah, uh, that's no, like, like that's like four bit. Yeah. <laughs> like two, if, if two if is that. no bit. <laughs> so Journey began another lengthy yet successful tour on June 12th, 1981, supported by opening acts Billy Squire, 
You know Billy Squire? My kind of lover. Right? Oh, yeah. All right. The Greg Ken Band, Point Blank, and Loverboy. Oh. Yeah. What are they working for? What are they working for? Yeah. yeah. A Boy's Love? No. What? <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Hold the phone. Hold hold on. Well, let's dissect that real quick. Can we, do, we have, do we have time to dissect this? Yeah, we can do whatever I, we want. I feel like we need to address this. Yeah, we can go into it. How would you work for a boy's love, I guess? Explain yourself. Because I mean, it's lover boy? Is yeah. that what, uh, that's is the, the only reason why I said that. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. see, I see. Yeah. No, no, that's not what they were working no. for. Oh, no? They were actually for? working for The weekend because everybody's working for The weekend. I'm guessing that's a song of theirs. Everybody's working for The weekend. Oh, that was weekend. lover boy? Everybody's <laughs> watching to see what you will do. Yes. Uh, Jeff and I actually covered that song in our old band. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers? Yeah. Uh, no. no. Oh. Uh, Blackout Superstar. Oh. Blackout Super Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Super Guys. Yeah. So they then opened for the one and only Rolling Stones on September 25th of There's the same year. Huh? There's a game. Oh, yeah. Getting in front of them. MTV videotaped one of their two sold-out shows in, in Houston on November 6, 1981, which means that they were MTV was a baby at this point in front of over 20,000 fans and later released it on DVD, which for 1981 was huge. That's the year I was born. That's crazy. Think about that. Wait, is it really? Yeah, oh 81. God, I'm so old. <laughs> I was only born like five years before. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. So following the success of the 1981 tour, the band's entire establishment as a corporation and the formation of a fa- the fan club called the Journey Force... The Journey Force. Yeah. Could you imagine that t-shirt? That'd be pretty dope. Journey Force. Move out of the way. I'm on the Journey Force. (laughs) We get front row. (laughs) So the band released only solutions and the uh, 1990s theme for the 1982 Disney film Tron. I didn't know that. Yeah. They actually did two songs for that uh, soundtrack. Or actually for the movie itself. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. At this point, Journey was absolutely killing it, so they entered Fantasy Studios again in the middle of their 1982 tour to record their eighth studio album, Frontiers. Released in February of 1983, Frontiers was the band's second biggest selling album, selling over 6 million copies. Peaking at number two on the Billboard charts, it spawned the hit singles, Separate Ways. Oh yeah, that's the jam. Send Her My Love, After the Fall, and of course... Faithfully. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Faithfully. And you can hear our version of Faithfully wherever you listen to new music out there on Spotify, Apple, and at the end of this episode. When did they do Sherry, or was that Steve Perry by himself? That was Steve Perry by himself. Okay. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So Journey began the tour supporting Frontiers in Japan and continued in North America alongside the Canadian crooner Brian Adams himself as the opening act. Anything I do, I do it for you. But Brian Adams is your opening act. Like, that's crazy because he was huge too. In the summer of 69. Yeah. I got my foot. (laughs) (laughs) I like the power. power. I was trying. I was trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah. So during the tour, NFL Films recorded a video documentary of their life on the road called Frontiers and Beyond, shooting scenes at JFK Stadium in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with more than 80,000 fans in attendance. God, 80,000 people. That's a lot. That's just crazy. That's a lot. That's a a little. You know how much pressure that is on on Steve, on the singer? Yeah. I mean, because we know that. The musicians can fudge things, and people don't really pick up on it. If you're if you're good about it, you can hit a you could flub a note and hit a wrong note, and kind of pull it off. 
But the singer, if the singer's off, woof. I mean, look how look how they're raking Vince Neil over the coals now. Have you seen this? Okay, on TikTok? they gotta stop, dude. Dude, it's bad. They gotta stop. They it's have really, to stop. I've seen like fifty TikToks in the past two days of their live performance, yeah. and it's so. Bad. I love Crew so much, and they just gotta stop, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got like the beer gut. Oh, and yeah, it just looks so bad. It's bad, and then Mick Mars, he can't even. He's like barely even moving. Yeah, he's, he's, just, he's like, been like that. He's for like hunched over a and decade, just, just playing. And like, then Tommy apparently he like what did he do? Bro- no, broke some ribs. He didn't break ribs. He realized that this is a joke, and he's like, you know, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, <laughs> he's smart. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> super, super smart. So they uh, decided here, you know, they were on this tour. Uh, the band decided to take some well-deserved time off, right? So Steve and Neil both tried their hands at solo projects. And I was under the assumption that this is, like, the solo projects happened when, you know, they weren't in the same band anymore together. Yeah. Okay? And in 1984, Steve Perry, with the help of band manager Herbie, recorded and released his first solo album, Street Talk. Street Talk released Perry's biggest hit as a solo artist, the one you just referenced, Oh Sherry, written for his then-girlfriend, Sherry Swafford. The song hit number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on Billboard's rock chart and the accompanying music video, uh, you know that one, it actually had uh, his girlfriend at the time in the video. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was a huge hit on MTV. Well, I mean, he had to. He wasn't a very good-looking fellow. Do you know that song, Oh Uh, Sherry? I believe so, yeah. Very beginning, it's just... Should have been gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize that was Steve Perry by That's himself. Steve Perry. Huh. Sorry. I'm going to keep doing that the entire Dude's time. got pipes. Yeah, he, yeah he, he could sing his ass off. So Neil Sean Torley, uh, Torley? I just put toured briefly together. Toured briefly in 1984 with his supergroup HSAS, supporting their sole album Through the Fire, released that year on Geffen. Side note. Any idea what uh, HSAS stands for? Any guesses? HSAS? Yes. HSAS. A-S. Sorry for your ears out there. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> what if you only had one chance? You're never gonna one get it. Never gonna get it. To answer correctly. Would you answer I got correctly? It. Did you see it? No, but I... Oh, okay. What is Go it? for it. Have some applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you're eating pork chops and you want applesauce. Jeff? You suck. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew it was going to happen eventually. It actually stands for Hager, Sean, Aronson, Shreve. All the names of the people. It featured lead vocalist Sammy Hager from Van Did Halen. It really? Yep. Wow. Lead guitarist Neil Sean from Journey, bassist Kitty Aronson from the Yardbirds, and dr- uh, drummer Michael Shreve from Santana. Wow. The group reportedly rehearsed for less than a month before playing a concert, which maybe that's why huh. I never heard about them. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a super group right there, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah, it was pretty crazy. Not as good as Highwaymen, but... Yeah. And for uh, for you and for anyone else out there, if you uh, are unfamiliar with who the Yardbirds were, mm-hmm. okay, um, they had a song called For Your Love. Mm-hmm. For Your Love. Well, they were an English rock band formed in 1963 and launched the careers of a few notable guitarists like mm-hmm. Eric Clapton, oh. Jimmy Page, oh. and Jeff Beck. Don't yeah. remember that one. Jeff, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know who Jimmy Page is? I know who he is. I know he's in a really <laughs> big band. At this point, what episode is this? Six? <laughs> we're in seven? eight. You should goddamn know who Jimmy Page is by now. He's in Led Zeppelin, isn't Thank he? you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> right. There it is. When in doubt, just like <laughs> Led Zeppelin. It's always Led Zeppelin. Yeah, when in they doubt. all circle back to each yes, other. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, another side note, as I continue down this, uh, at age 20, drummer Michael Shreve, yeah. that we mentioned, about, uh, who was a uh, Santana, yeah. 
was the second youngest musician to perform at Woodstock oh. while playing for Santana, the original That's Woodstock. Right, I forgot Santana did play Woodstock. Dude, Santana was in Woodstock? Yeah, I've seen it on the documentary. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, his drum solo, Michael Shreve's drum yeah. solo during uh, Soul Sacrifice, their song, in the Woodstock film, which you were just talking yeah, yeah. about, it's been described as electrifying. And if you watch it, his solo, and he's the second youngest musician to be there. And I don't have who the first is. Oh, I wish I would have found that. So at Woodstock? Yeah. Oh, man, it's got to be... It's probably the babies that were being made in the crowd. <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, Jimmy was young, but not... I don't think he was... Youngest. If he was 20 years old? Yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll do some research there you go. while you go. So when asked by the press if Journey was finished after selling their properties at the end of 1984, meaning they you know got rid of a bunch of, you know, whatever, guitarist Neil commented, quote, no way Journey's ending. We're all too committed to this band to ever let that happen. In fact, one of the reasons we decided to go off in separate directions, or, you know, they're separate ways, <laughs> for a while was to keep the band as strong as ever. Okay, so they were saying we're getting around each other too much. We're touring too much. Let's just break away for a minute, come back, and let's do our thing. You know, okay, okay. it's actually an awesome idea, except it's like, you know, taking a break with a girlfriend. We were on a break. We were on a break. <laughs> and now you're jamming with Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, you think it's a good idea until she's like, well, I found this other guy. And then you're just like, well, that sucks. Yeah. And then you're so out. the youngest member at Woodstock 69 yeah. was a guy named Henry Gross. He was. Just 18, and he was a member of Shanana. Oh, Shanana? Yes. Shanana. Really? Yep. That's awesome. 18 years old. Can you imagine being 18 playing Woodstock? God. What? Is he still alive? I would imagine. Oh. If he was 18 and 69. Yeah. I mean, Santana. But he was at Woodstock, is all I'm saying. Yeah. So, Santana's still alive putting out music. Yeah. And yeah. they play at Woodstock? Yeah. It was actually a joke about him dying at Woodstock because he was 18 and probably overdid it. It was what it was. Uh, Nobody th died. This is for me. You suck. There you go. It wasn't until our generation's Woodstock where people died. Because they knew how to actually do... Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After a productive phone call between Kane and Steve Perry, the band returned to, a, uh, to Fantasy Studios in late 1985 to record their ninth studio album, Raised on Radio, hmm. but with Steve Perry acting as the album's producer. Unfortunately... I wonder how they pulled that off. What's that? Like, in those times, being like, we're going to produce our own stuff. I mean, that was always like a huge no I mean, a fight for, with the label. I mean, and, I guess it's... They did that for a few different albums. Look how much Michael had to go through when we talked about... But you didn't have to compete as much in, like, right. in rock and roll, you know what I mean? Like, you can kind of... You're already established. Produce your own thing. Yeah, but I mean, like like you said, you had Boston and Foreigner and... Oh, listen. Yes, and... Just because you wham. produced it yourself doesn't mean that it was good. Wham wasn't rock and roll. You said wham. <laughs> Did you just say wham? He, he was said, just naming off bands. I wanted to name off one, too. But they were at least in that era. I do the jitterbug. Or at least that genre. <laughs> I get the jitterbug. I always I think of uh, Zoolander written the Jeep Wrangler in the gas yeah. station. Every time I hear that song, I can't help but think about it. Is that the one where they're using gasoline yeah, they're all on each other and then it blows up at the end? They all die. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Way to ruin Zoolander, man. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, it's your own fault. So unfortunately, things were pretty tense within the band, leading Herbie and Steve to fire both bass player Valor, uh, Ross Valerie and drummer Steve Smith oh, for God. musical and professional differences. Okay. Oh. This booting took place only a few months into the recording session for the album, though Valerie later admitted he left the band on his own terms. Mm. Sure you did. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bassist and future American Idol judge Randy Jackson. Wait, what? There you go. Bassist uh, Bob Glob and established drummer uh, Lori London were brought in to continue the album's recordings. 
Okay. Yeah, Randy so Jackson. Right. He was Wait. a uh, session bassist or hired gun. And he was for awesome. A long time. He was and, in Journey. Yeah, he dude. He worked with everybody. He worked with Prince. He worked with uh, Quincy. Man, I mean, my respect for that dog just went up a lot higher yeah, now. That's probably how he landed this gig. They're probably like, oh, you gotta get Randy Jackson. He ain't doing that's nothing. That's awesome. Well, know? he knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, if you're not familiar with Laurie London, okay, mm. the drummer here, mm. uh, you, everyone out there, check out his credentials. He's done session work with everyone from the Supremes and Marvin Gaye to Elvis and Dolly Parton. Oof. Literally, wow. he is an icon for sure, and we have to do an episode on him. So like, you're saying he's better than Ringo? Uh, yes. You know, um, you know, I giggled. Side note, <laughs> I was scrolling through TikTok at lunch today, okay, and I get all the music stuff because that's all I look at. Mm-hmm. And I saw that Ringo has a master class for drums. Oh, boy. Like you could sign up Dude, for Dude, a lot and of I'm people like, say he's he was great back in the day. I mean, a lot of really profound musicians have always been like, Ringo had his own style and did his own thing. I mean, sure. I mean, he's not flashy by any means. I mean, he's my favorite drummer. Of course he is. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I listen to the Beatles, and there's so many spots where there could be just amazing fills and like, you know, and there's just nothing. It's just straight beats. Okay, but could that have been either Paul or John being like, no, we want you to keep this down, man. Or was it keep an it down. era thing where that really wasn't that big of a thing that they wanted to? No, you know? because they were doing that on all other kinds of music back then. Eh, well, go back and listen to our Beatles episode because everyone seems to like that one, so it's good. Yeah, we're getting a lot of comments. Yeah. Thank you, by the way, guys. Yes, thank you for listening, and uh, thank it. you for the kudos on the song as well. Um, we've got a lot more coming at you, so it'll be awesome. I can't wait for you guys to hear um, the uh, the Cindy Lauper song. That song I turned out very good. I think so, this one came out really faithfully good too. did. Yeah, faithfully turned out awesome. Yeah, yeah. totally different take, but it's you know it's cool. It's kind of there anyway. So raised on radio, the new album here was released in May of 1986, peaking at number four on Billboard's album chart, but underperformed compared to the band's previous two albums. It there it is. It featured five. You know you did that, but then you're drinking a white claw. It just I don't I don't know. Like it just I and he said and I mean, he said wham yeah <laughs> hey I mean <laughs> I love wham all right Dude, leave me alone is there stuff we don't know yeah, oh, man I mean, anyway all right just wondering <laughs> so this album featured five singles the top ten hit be good to yourself along with Suzanne girl can't help it I'll be all right without you which I love that song I didn't I remember that I'll be all right without you okay so this was like. Yeah. Early '90s, almost at this point. It was late, um, uh, late '80s, '86. Okay, yeah. And also another song, "Why Can't This Night Go On Forever." So the Raised on Radio support tour began at Angels Camp, California, in August 1986. The band performed sold-out shows throughout the United States before concluding with two shows in Anchorage, Alaska, in early of 1987. I'm telling you, they toured all the time yeah. with selected dates supported by Honeymoon Suite, which I didn't know about. They have a song called "New Girl Now." You got a new guy, I think. I don't know. I don't know what the song is. Um, The Outfield. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Your I Love. The Outfield. Your Love. Is it, is it The Outfield or The Outfielders? It's The Outfield. It is? Your okay. Love, which it's, I covered a version of that way back in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why, to be honest, I'm married to this day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that yeah, song yeah, yeah, yeah. is what okay. she was like, okay, I'll give the Thats all a chance. <laughs> <laughs> they also play Put Me In, Coach. Put Me In, Coach. Was, are I'm you, ready, I'm to, ready play. to play. No, yeah. no. Oh no! You might want to double check that no, real quick. It's John Fogerty. I was okay. to see if I can get him. Uh, I was about to say. I thought you were serious. I was he like, was going with it. Though. I don't know the song. I didn't know <laughs> he that doesn't know any better. Who's John Fogerty from? He could have said it. Led Zeppelin. No. Damn it! No. 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 He had his own band, right? We're gonna cover his band. He did, but the band before that was Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh, he was in CCR. They are yeah. definitely oh. icons. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. For shizzle. Well, also they were out with Glass Tiger. 
Glass you guys remember Glass Tiger? Oh, sounds familiar. Who, For all you do? guys out there right now, you you 80s nerds, I know you know what the song is. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Oh, God, it sounds so familiar. All right, it's Don't Forget Me oh, When yes. I'm Gone. Yeah. Which is Brian Adams, by the way, who sang on that with him. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't if know you that. listen to the the my heart will break, that's that's Brian. Adams. What do you think that cost him? Uh, probably a lot. He wasn't in the video. I know <laughs> I that. Yeah, say. he was not in the video. They were like, yeah. "That's all the money we got." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the tour yeah. featured Randy Jackson on bass and Mike Baird on drums, and was videotaped by MTV once again for a documentary that included interviews with the band members called "Raised on Radio," just like the album. Hmm. MTV apparently loves themselves some Journey back at this time, mid '80s. Of course they do. Lucky for them, huh? Same. Yeah. So with tensions between Steve Perry, the band, and manager Herbie Herber at any uh, at, at you know an all time high right now, they're just at each other's throats. They uh, the the you know following the tour especially, Perry was unable or unwilling to remain actively involved and was tired of touring as it affected his health and his vocals. His voice was I mean, dude, when you sing like he sang every night like that, that's crazy. You take one sip of whiskey. Or a beer, and you're just screwed for two days. You know what I mean? Because it's like beer and whiskey and stuff and alcohol. Is that why I can't sing? It's huh? Is that why I can't sing? Yes, that's why you can't sing. Okay, I gotta yes. stop drinking alcohol. Yes, that's All what right. it is. All right. Well, it's an astringent, and it, and it, which is funny to me that it like these guys back in the day. That's all they used to do. But he, the way he sang, was like on this total different level. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's what caused it, but his voice got screwed up. Mm. All right. And touring and playing constantly. Of course, it's one thing when you're, you know, you play an instrument. Mm -hmm. If your guitar breaks, get a new guitar. Right. You know, if your hand breaks, you're probably not going to be able to work. Right. But you could figure it out. But if your voice breaks, you're done. You're done. Yeah. How many bands we talk about that? Like they totally. Beartooth, Motionless and White, their singer was out for a while because he had a a really bad uh, uh, voice thing with. Yeah, I mean, but Val Kilmer can talk now, so we're getting to the is point. He, is where, he able to talk now? Yeah, through AI. Oh. Oh. Really? Well, that's not. But we're getting to the point now where you can record. Do you see Alexa can mimic dead people now? Wait. What? What? I just read an article today. It was just in Google News today that you can have Alexa learn, like, voicemails and, and speeches that, like, let's say you're, before your grandma died. And you get your Alexa. I actually have a saved voicemail. Okay, for you my can put that into yeah. your Alexa, and then Alexa will talk with your grandma's voice. I couldn't do it. I know that that's would what I was saying. Break like, my how, fucking heart like every time. I'm sorry would. for the f bomb, folks. <laughs> that would break you know my I mean? heart. Yeah, that would really. Break but I read my that. Heart. And that's like a thing now. I don't know. I kind of want JFK to be in my house. Just I want like, just to be like. I want Morgan Freeman. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Good morning, Jeffrey. I can't do his voice. But. No, what's his name? Uh, uh, uh. Samuel Jackson, Mufasa, and uh, oh, that'd be hilarious. James Earl Jones, James Earl yeah, Jones, Jones. Yeah. had him be like, "Good morning, Logan." Yeah. <laughs> so with him bailing out here, Steve Perry said, "Quote: I called John and Neil together. We met in San Rafael. We sat on the edge of the mar- marina, and I just told them I can't do this anymore. I've got to get out for a while." And they said, "Well, what do you mean?" And I said, "That's exactly what I mean. Is what I'm saying. I just don't want to be in the band anymore. I want to get out. I want to stop." And I think John said. Well, just take some time off and we'll think. And I said, okay, fine. And I just sort of fell back into my life. I looked around and realized that my whole life had become everything I'd worked so hard to be. And when I came back to have a regular life, I had to go find one. So this is like a tale as old as time. I mean, you see this all the time with with these big artists where they burn themselves out. They they just keep going and going and they don't know like how to pace it or, or break it up. Yeah. And they burn themselves out and then the next thing you know, they're just like, I'm done. They just... 
They're done. Yeah, that's it. I mean, not only that too, but I mean, it's a, a lot of people are like, man, I really wish I could be on tour and it's a party all the time. Yeah. It's really a lot of work. That's or like, I wouldn't you go that other route and you do drugs and it's the whole thing like Motley Crue. Or, well, yeah. And you know what I mean? Freaking in a hospital and freaking how many times it's uh, Stephen Nick or not Stephen Nicks. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the bass player. Nikki Six. Nikki Six. Yeah. How many times did he? Well, he OD'd, OD'd on heroin all the time. Like, and, I think he yeah. died like five times or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. But one, that's how they cope with it. I mean, yeah. if, think about having a job, right? Mm-hmm. When you get a new job, it's really exciting at first. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Most of the time. Yeah, sometimes. And it's like exciting. It's adventurous. It's new. Right. Well, then you got to do that every single night for a year, mm-hmm. nonstop. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, you're like, okay, I need a break. Yeah, give me two weeks. I'm already out. Unless you have that in you. And there's a lot of guys out there that do. A lot of guys, just that's what they do. They want to tour constantly, you know? And it, it's, it's you know, I don't know, man. They're you, saying that's what killed Taylor. The touring? Yeah, uh, Chad Smith and uh, Chris Cameron, who was the drummer from Soundgarden, who is now the drummer for Pearl Jam. And then Chad Smith is obviously from Red Hot Chili Peppers, the drummer. He yeah. was. They were both really good friends with Taylor, and Taylor reached out to both of them before he died. And he's like, I'm trying to talk to Dave because I can't do this anymore. Oh, so he man. was at that breaking point of this. They were touring too that much. That sucks. So that means if I'm sure Dave probably knew about it too. So it's probably yeah. like, uh, I, I did see they're uh, they're doing a um, yeah, the tribute. memorial tour or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they're doing Wembley Stadium. Yeah, that's crazy. And then they're cool. coming here somewhere in... I think it's California. Uh, yeah, San Francisco or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're uh, going to have, like... Uh, Bill was talking about going. I was like, what? Brian May and, like, oh, all yeah. kinds of big, big people. I'm sure it's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. So huge. Steve Perry also stated, quote, The truth is that I thought music had run its course in my heart. All right. He actually said this on his website. Uh, he goes on to say, I'd had an amazing time in an amazing band and then the chance to express myself as a solo artist, too. But I had to be honest with myself. And in my heart, I knew I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And it happens. Yeah. You know, it does. That burnout. Goes on to say, for a long time, I could barely even listen to music. My last show with Journey was February of 1987. Then one day, it hit me that I couldn't do this anymore. I felt as if I had to jump off this merry-go-round, this big, beautiful mothership that we had all worked so hard together to build. I mean, it does unfortunately happen quite often. I didn't realize he look at like, Kurt Cobain. Split Same thing for him. Yeah. You know? well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. But supposedly, like he couldn't depending handle on, the pressure. And all depending that. on who you talk to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, following the Raised on Radio tour, the band went into a hiatus. However, Columbia Records released the Greatest Hits compilation in November of 1988, which became one of the biggest selling Greatest Hits albums, selling over 15 million copies and continuing to sell half a million to a million copies per year. Wow. The compilation spent 750 weeks on the Billboard album charts until 2008. Yeah, greatest hits are awesome. To date, their greatest hits album has sold almost 21 million copies. That's amazing. Cha-ching. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with them, though. I, I bought one. Oh, so, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I had it, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Here's something else I wasn't aware of, by the way. While Steve Perry had retreated from the public eye, uh, Sean and Kane over here, Sean, Sean, I mispronounced his name, they spent the rest of 1987 collaborating with other profound artists. And I told you, these guys don't stop. Right. The guys in Journey didn't stop. All right. They worked with artists like uh, Jimmy Barnes and Michael Bolton before Ooh, teaming up with Kane's ex-babies bandmates, uh, John Waite and Ricky Phillips. They, in turn, formed the supergroup Bad English. I What? Yeah, really? dude. Wow. I was like, what? Huh. And do you even know who that is? 
Uh, I know that that's like when you hit the ball. You <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. I was going to say not pool. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. They had, a a, they had a couple of really big ballads, like uh, When I See You Smile and The Price of Love. When I see you smile. Big 80s oh, hair. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can okay. face the world. I didn't realize that that was all those guys. Yeah, yeah, so they all got together. And also with drummer Dean Castronova in 1988, releasing two albums in 1989 and 1991. I had no idea that the guy, the bad English, had guys from Journey in it. Wow. How nuts. That yeah. is crazy. That's nuts. So Steve Smith, however, devoted his time to his jazz bands, Vital Information and Steps Ahead. I believe they call it Yaz. Yeah, oh, it's Yaz. Yes. Like yogging. Like going yogging. Yes. Yeah. So they, and he teamed up with former bassist Ross Valerie and original Journey keyboardist Greg Rowley. Remember, we talked about him. He's also the original singer guy that sang, I guess. Yeah. They formed the band The Storm with singer Kevin Schulfant and guitarist Josh Ramos. And guess who their manager was? Herbert, Herbie Herbert. It was Herbie Herbert. Of yeah. course it was. That man says, don't stop. On November 3rd, 1991, Neil Sean, Jonathan Kane, and uh, Steve Perry reunited to perform Faithfully and Lights at the Bill Graham tri uh, Tribute Concert, Laughter, Love, and Music at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, California, following the, concert's pro uh, the concert promoter's death. And unfortunately, he was in a helicopter accident. Now, Jeez. so this brings up an interesting point that I always wondered, because I know we're going to get to the current singer at some point in this, right? Mm -hmm. They've had a lot of singers, dude. Who owned the rights to the songs? Because uh, clearly Steve Perry did not write the lyrics if they're still performing it without we, him, right? We will talk about okay, it. Okay, good, good, yeah. good. I'm glad we'll you got that because yeah. that has been boggling yeah. my mind for so long. Yeah. It's like, mind-boggling. How, how does that work? It's mind-boggling. So in October of 1993, Sean, Rowley, Valerie, Dunbar, Smith, and Kane reunited and performed at a private dinner for manager extraordinaire Herbie Herbert at Bimbo's in San Francisco, which sounds like a fun place, with Kevin Chalfant, who was uh, the Alan Parsons Project's li live singer. Okay. Alan Parsons Project. <laughs> <laughs> After the breakup of Bad English in 1991, Neil, Sean, and Dean Costranova formed the glam metal band Hardline, mm. which I looked online to see what they did, and they had a song called Taking Me Down. Meh. You said Taking Me Down? Taken. Okay. Taken. I didn't, okay. Sorry, That's I the one where it says it's been a long time of coming. One of us is going, one of us is going down. No. No? No, it's not that one. Okay. You want to try again? Wait, isn't that Sick Puppies? <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. So he out. knows that. He knows sure. that one. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So it, they uh, formed this band, uh, Hardline, with brothers Johnny and Joey uh, Gioelli, releasing only one studio album before uh, you know his departure, the Neil Sean and whatever got out. Neil later joined Paul Rogers. Okay. Bad Company's vocalist. Yeah. Oh. In 1993 for live Another band I don't like. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of big, yeah, Bad I never, Company. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it was made even worse when a certain other band covered one of their songs. Oh, you mean Five Finger Death Punch? Oh, oh, not only it. that, but isn't it like an unspoken Burr. rule? We're not supposed to say that. Isn't it like an unspoken rule that you don't use your band name in your lyrics? What came first? Bad, the, the band name or the song name? No, the video game. What? <laughs> Battlefield? Yeah. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's uh, <laughs> the, name, the name of their band. They named the band that first. I'm almost positive. Well, we'll find out when we uh, do them as a... Uh, oh, as God. A, oh, we're going to do, do a bad company? We have to. we got to talk about them. we got to yeah. cover the song Bad Company. Nope. Oh. Nope. That's another one where I walk nope. through the shop and I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1994, Steve Perry had released his second solo album for the love of Strange Medicine and toured North America in support of the album, though his voice had changed since the last time he had performed. Those high notes weren't as easy to hit anymore. So what happens when you start off and you're like doing that big stuff and then later on your voice your voice is going to change. If only that could have happened to Alanis. Yeah. <laughs> dude, Aww. dude, 
Oh, never mind. Did I show you the video of Alanis Morissette when she was on stage or whatever? I showed that you that. That was not her, by the way. Oh, it wasn't? No, that's been going around TikTok for a while. That's like Damn. some other girl. I thought it was. I was like, wow, she it looks It still sounds like young. trash. Anyways. Leave Alanis alone. Anyway. Yeah. So Steve Perry ultimately decided to reunite with Journey under one condition. Cha-ching. <laughs> he doesn't sing. He demanded that there be a bowl of peanut M&Ms backstage at all times and that they had to be all brown with one, just one, green non-peanut M&M on top. Is this Van Halen? No, I just made that up. Anyway, oh, I was, I was gonna gonna say, that's a Van Halen. Like, that's an actual what? Van Halen writer. When yeah, we do they, Van Halen, they, they, you'll, you'll yeah, see. You'll find You're out. You're not serious? Yeah, Van brown, Halen, they were nuts, dude. They brown were awesome. M&Ms only, and they wouldn't play. Yeah. Wait, brown peanut M&Ms? I think they were regular. I don't think, they're, I think, they're regular I don't think there was brown peanut. They're ones. writers. Like okay. when we get into the eight, like Motley Crue and yeah, yeah, yeah. Halen, you'll see that. Oh, they would do some of the craziest stuff possible. The most Absolutely ridiculous shit. Dude, I'm actually heard. like, have you ever seen um, the movie Airheads? Yes. Okay. So you know when they're coming in, they're like, "What demands do you have?" And they're like a naked, a naked picture of B. Arthur yeah. and all these other things. Yeah. That was what writers were like uh, back in the day. Seriously, like, they would just get the most crazy stuff just to see if the promoters would do it for them. That's and then you had these people at the clubs called runners, and they were in charge of going to get all the stuff, and they got all the slack if it wasn't there. Dude, yeah. I would love to be a runner. It's pretty hilarious. Really? Oh, no, dude, you that, wouldn't. That'd because, be so much fun. Because that'd be your butt if you didn't find like a naked picture of B. Arthur. Or you space know I mean? rope. Or space rope. Ooh, <laughs> related story. The space rope. Do you uh -huh. remember when we ate Flaws Deli tray? Yeah. In West Virginia. In West Virginia. They were not happy about that. We got in there. We're like, man, we're so hungry. And there's this big, beautiful, sealed well, deli tray. In our defense, we thought it was for everyone. I knew it was for them. <laughs> I was still eating it. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you, you know the band Flaw? No. Really? They the were payback. They were like a the song, the payback. Yeah, they were a heavy band back in the like uh, no. early 2000s, late yeah, 90s, like early 2000s. Yeah. And yeah, we, we ate their meat tray. Anyway. <laughs> that sounds so dirty. <laughs> So Steve's one condition was that Herbie <laughs> Herbert would no longer be the band's manager. Ooh, oh, bad so blood. Like, I'll come back, but Herbie's got to go. I mean, he's been doing it for a little too long, you know what I mean? Well, you know, also, he, he kind of put his hands in a little bit more than he needed to, you know what I mean? Which Which a lot of them did back yeah. then. So instead, the band hired Irving Azoff, longtime Eagles manager, nice. as the new manager for the band in October of 1995. Nice. Steve Smith and Ross Valerie reunited with the band and started writing new material for their next album with rehearsals beginning that same month. So the, ba uh, the band began recording their 10th studio album, Trial by Fire, in early 1996. Yeah, we're only at 1996 right in now. In 10 albums. Gee. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, they've been putting them out since, it, what, 70? Yeah, but usually it was like a two to three year period in between albums for most big bands. Not if you're good. Then it's only a month. A month? <laughs> what the fuck? Something's wrong if you're putting an album out of <laughs> What? Yeah, you're trying too hard if you're putting uh, yeah, it out yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah. So they entered uh, the, the site and Wild Horse Studio in Marin County and Ocean Way Recorders, where they recorded under, uh, under producer the caveman Kevin Shirley, who worked with Mr. Big, Iron Maiden, and Dream Theater. Oh. Uh, yeah. So this album was released in uh, late October that year, peaking at number three on Billboard album charts. The the singles from this one were, were uh, When You Love a Woman, and it reached number 12 on the Billboard charts and was nominated in 1997 for a Grammy Award wow. for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal. The album also produced three top 40 mainstream rock tracks, Message of Love, reaching number 18, Can't Tame the Lion, hitting number 33, and If He Should Break Your Heart, reaching number 38. 
I don't remember, Dang, I I don't remember those songs, yeah, honestly. Those. And it sold roughly 1.5 million units. And wow. we don't even know. Yeah, we never. You know yeah. who's buying that is the diehard the fans. fans. Yeah, the fans yeah, yeah, are buying yeah. it. Well, when you're yeah. playing in front of 80,000 people, right. 80,000 people are going to buy your next album. Yeah, even if you have a 10% turnover. Yeah. If they're going to pay yeah. $50 to come see you in an arena, they're going to yeah. buy your next album. Yeah, especially back then, too. That was a lot. Yeah. 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 So plans for a support tour failed when Steve Perry, Steve Perry, while hiking in Hawaii on a 10-day break in August of 1996, discovered he had a degenerative, degenerative sorry, bone condition and could not perform without hip replacement surgery. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, the accident sad. resulted in the album's release date being pushed back. Okay. Okay. Upon its release, Trial by Fire was considered the band's worst-selling album and failed to match the originality and playability of the band's previous work. Well, I mean, 20-plus years. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Neil Sean later admitted that the album had too many ballads and fans just wanted to hear that sweet, sweet rock and roll. They just want to hear the freaking top five hits over and over and over again. I love, I love musicians. I love how like they're always on a different page than everybody else in the band. That's what always caused these rips and riffles because they're always all about like the music. Right. You know what I mean? Like the notes, the the playing. Like, yeah, man, people just want to hear the chords. They just want to hear the drum beat. It's like, no. <laughs> well, the guitarist. They want the hooks they can right. sing along to. Is what yeah. they want. The guitarist is always like, no, man, it's about those melody yeah, lines yeah. I write. And the drummer's like, no, dude, it's my. It's, they want to hear the beat. The singer's like, no, it's my voice. Yeah. And everyone's always on a different page. When and in reality, it's, long, it's the hook. It's, it's always the hook. The hook. Yeah. It's the hook. And that's why you have a producer. Yeah. Because... The guitarist is going to turn his amp up louder than the drums. Yeah. The drummer's going to play harder than the guitarist going, and then the singer's going to try and sing over all of it. Somebody's got to get in there and be like, all of you shut up and put it balance. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> yeah. That makes well, a lot of sense. If you look back on all their biggest hits and whatever, they did a lot of ballads, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, a lot. They were huge. I mean, yeah. look at Faithfully, look at like all, oh, yeah. all these different songs. So um, Neil Sean goes on to say, even on our last record, the Trial by Fired record, a lot of the rock stuff just got shelved and ended up being like 20 ballads. I don't know how many ballads. So what they were doing was trying to capture lightning in a bottle again. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so could you do me a quick favor? What is like? What is the definition of a ballad? What is What makes a ballad a ballad? It's a love song. It's, that, that's literally it? It's a, it's a slow love yeah. song. It's something that like, I, bet, I guess the best way you could put it is it's like you would slow dance to a wedding. At a wedding, yeah. too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's really. a ballad. So it's not heavy. It's not hard. It's just they call it's a monster ballad. ballads. In the 80s, it was monster ballads. Like, By the uh, way, monster ballads are like my favorite thing in the world. I was going to say, what's some good monster ballads? There's oh my tons of God. them. Oh, my God. Mr. Big. Uh, Mr. Big. Next to Be With You. Be With You. Yeah, that's um, a big one. High Enough by Damn Yankees. More Than Words. More Than Words. More Than Words. Yeah, no, I know the songs. I'm just like, I didn't realize that they're usually just about They're usually slower paced. If they have drums on it, you're you're going at like, what, 60 yeah. BPM? You home know Sweet mean? Home by Motley Crue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like what I mean, is they all had them? What is the yeah. the the that uh, that weird um, Queen song that's got like all the different uh, that that's like that something that's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's not no, considered that's, a ballad. That's no. called that's considered a rock opera. Yeah, is what a they call rock, it. Okay, okay. Typically, okay. ballads have to do with like love or relationships in some. Okay, Stairway to Heaven that, yeah. is a ballad. And she's climbing. Okay. Yeah, you know that's okay. that's what a ballad. Never really is. listened to that song start to finish, but understood. And now you listeners know <laughs> what a ballad is. You're welcome, because I don't know these things. <laughs> you're learning, man. That's what you're here um, for. What was our What was our ballad in Blackout? Uh, uh, when we fall. When we fall. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we had a really big. And then before that, I had well in Erase the Gray. We had Rain, which oh, was, yeah. to me was a ballad, that right? Was a big, dude, I and waiting. Love rain. waiting was a ballad. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, going home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> face down. Yeah, Ugh. Dude, he hates face down. Dude, we have a buddy of ours so that just absolutely talks about that song nonstop. Got Everyone tongue. out there, Got do tongue. me a big favor and don't ever look up the song "Face Down" by <laughs> no, Grace the please, Grey. Please do, and no. just quote a lyric on no. it and Stop post it. on social media Stop everywhere. It. I want to see no. him get mad. <laughs> so the band took another break following the album's uh, dismal release to work on more solo projects. Jeez. They don't stop. Waiting for Perry to decide if he was able to or wanted to go on tour. So Neil Sean released his solo album, Electric World, in 1997, later creating Abraxas Pool with former Journey member Greg Rowley again, drummer Michael Shreve, and few um, the, uh, the former Santana members were involved. There were some other people that were involved in that. Gotcha. Jonathan Kane released his two solo uh, solo albums, and he's a uh, the keyboardist. He's he's awesome, uh, with, which is a body language and uh, for a lifetime in 90, uh, 1997 and nineteen ninety eight. I don't know if those albums are good, but I can respect him just from our saw our cover of this. That was a lot of work, mm-hmm. and I'm like I would consider myself pretty decent, an amateur, mediocre piano player at this point. And dude, I struggled hard, like harder than I did with Let It Be. Oh, man. Really? Like, he... Yeah, he was good, man. Yeah, he's good, for sure. So, following the reunion uh, the reunion album's long-awaited release, Journey was becoming restless and, and tired of waiting for an answer from Steve Perry and going on tour, right? As right, you yeah. probably should be. Yeah. You're sitting around twiddling your thumbs going, I'm not making money right now. Following a phone call between Kane and Perry, Steve announced that he would again depart from Journey, releasing himself from the band's contracts and deciding to semi-retire from the music business. So, does that mean he forfeits any... Proceeds? Well, I mean, like, how if, does that work? If he released himself from the contract, then I would assume so. Yeah. Unless, his, again, unless when they released the past records and stuff, if he was considered a writer or whatever, he still gets those. So probably back then they would give him an advance to sign. So he probably got the advance, but then probably. he probably didn't get proceeds or royalties going it's, after because he canceled. I, oh, I guarantee he's still getting royalties. Yeah. But if he canceled if you the contract the contractually that means like being in the band for everything you did prior to that i guarantee he's not going to walk away from that he had to have lost something though well i mean he probably he lost all the money from touring for sure yeah, yeah. you know what i mean and anything future the they made, probably, probably the amount of money that dude's making from yeah. all his prior stuff and yeah probably outweighs oh that. he was set like 20 yeah. years yeah. before that that's what i'm saying yeah. like that oh he's good that. as long as yeah. he didn't gamble yeah. his money in yeah. vegas we also don't know what his actual contract was but yeah he's probably good so Steve Smith later quit the band, saying that Journey would not be the same without Steve Perry and Aww. returning to his jazz career in his project, Vital Information. I mean, we learned that with Van Halen. What's that? Sammy was good, but he was no David Lee Roth. Correct. Okay. It's Which, hard to replace a singer. David Lee Roth, I'm sorry, and this is probably going to get some heat from all you listeners out there, but I, he was a good singer. Are you a Sammy or David? I'm more of a... Hold on. I am not not uh, what's Chris Sharon or whatever. His oh name my was. God! No, he should have stayed with Extreme. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, David Lee Roth had all the charisma, all of it, and on stage he was he was amazing. A he was a front man. But sure. I mean that whole you know what I mean. That I'm like okay, dude. Like I'm not we, saying we he's talented. It. No, he's not. No, he is talented, but I, I think Sammy Hagar's a more talented. Singer I think. Than him for sure. I think. Uh, yeah, Sammy Hagar. But front to me man was, wise, front man wise, he had it over that, just about anybody. That style of music and that kind of band, I think David yeah. David Lee Roth takes it. He just had that sexual energy that just like <laughs> chicks would see him like, oh my god, and guys were like, I'm gonna I'm beat that guy's ass. Yeah. yeah, stop me when I'm passing by. Now he's a good singer. He is a good singer, but I I think Sammy's a better singer. But oh, yeah. front man wise, for sure, it's it's David Lee Roth. 
So the band uh, Journey then hired the fam uh, familiar drummer Dean Castronavo, Sean's and Kane's bad English bandmate, to replace Steve Smith. After auditioning several high-profile pro uh, candidates, including Jeff Tate from Queensryche. Ooh, do you All know right. what they sang? I, I've never heard of Queensryche. Yes, you have. Silent Lucidity. Silent Lucidity. Silent or, or what's the um, what's the, the, the rock, the huge hit they had? They were heavy. They the were way. heavy, yeah. And they, they're like only well-known because of that Silent Lucidity song. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Even, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. It's very typo negative. Like the yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but there was also in the running uh, Kevin Chalfant and John West from a band called Royal Hunt. But Journey replaced Steve Perry with Steve O'Gary, formerly of Taiketo and Tall Stories. Do you think they just did it because of his name? <laughs> Steve. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Perry, but they, they like they, they were quiet on the uh, Gary part. Like, yeah, oh, Gary. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Perry. <laughs> the <laughs> band they later recorded the song "Remember Me" featured on the soundtrack for the 1998 film Armageddon. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, remember that one? I, I don't realize that was in that movie. But okay. all I remember is the Aerosmith one. Yeah. Well, upon the song's release, the song showed fans that the band made the right decision in hiring Gary because that soundtrack has sold over. 5,392,500 copies. Thanks to Steven Tyler. I don't want to close yeah, exactly. my eyes. Which, by the way, they didn't even write, and it was their first number one hit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cover. Who did the original? Uh, no, it's not a cover. Yeah, it is. No. Mm -mm. I swear to God nope. it is. Nope. Uh, Let me Google that. Nope. I bet you a beer is not. Anyway, so they <laughs> <laughs> so following a rehearsal with O'Gary and Castronova, the band went to Japan to perform four gigs where they had still they had a huge enormous fan base over there. So when asked how he felt about touring again in over a decade, Neil Sean commented, uh, "quote It's a little like we are reborn again." Next, Journey embarked on a tour in the U.S. titled "Vacations Over," which began in October and concluded at the end of December in Reno. Hmm. Uh, they continued the tour with another leg in 1999, starting in Minnesota in June and finishing in Michigan in September. Lots of touring. Tour, 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 tour. From March to August of 2000, okay, the band entered Avatar Studios to record yet another studio album called Arrival wow. with producer Kevin Shirley. The album was released in Japan later in the year with a North American release in uh, uh, April of 2001. Why did Japan get all the good stuff first? <sighs> because they appreciate music over there. Okay, well, we're moving yeah, to Japan. That's it. Um, seriously. So the album had peaked at number 56 on the Billboard charts. However, the single all the way failed to boost sales for the album. It was considered a disappointment with mixed opinions regarding the album, resulting in Sony dropping the band from the label. Wow. Yeah. Upon the album's completion, the band set off on another tour, supporting the album in Latin America, the U.S., and in Europe. Did you find something? Yes, yeah, so you were correct. Aha! But Aerosmith didn't write the song. That's what I said. Yeah, that's what he did say. Okay. Yeah. That was our first hit. Di ever, and they Diane Warren. Yeah, Diane Warren. She's amazing. Yeah, they, she wrote that song, and it was their first number one hit. That's what crazy. Is, she's got to be loaded. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all you got to do is just write a song for a really popular band, and you guys will make it. I mean, look at Gaga. Look at Pharrell. Gaga. Pharrell. Look at uh, Chris Stapleton. Like all these people, they wrote songs ahead of Sia. They wrote songs ahead of time, and then they got their bank, and, mm -hmm. and they were like, "Well, I'm going to do it myself now." She wrote for Cher, Michael Bolton. Do you believe in life after love? Leanne Rhymes. Okay. Diane Warwick. Diane. Okay. Warwick. 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 Hmm. Diane Warwick. Yeah. She. Who was she? She had the hit. The what was it? I, be I believe all the children. Right. 
I'm pretty sure that's Whitney Houston's aunt, I believe is who that is. Is it really? Yeah, I believe so. We'll talk about that when we do a uh, the Whitney Houston That's going to be an interesting yeah. episode, by the way. So in response to the attacks in New York City on September 11, 2001, we all remember that, mm-hmm. Journey joined various bands at a major fundraising event on October 20th and the 21st at the Smirnoff uh, Music Center in Dallas, Texas, to raise money for the victims and families of the tragedy. This event that they uh, played at raised uh, right around a million bucks, too, for the families. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty I, awesome. That is pretty good. The Journey Camp was quiet until 2002 as Neil Sean formed yet another band Jeez, called Planet Us with Castronavo, Sammy Hagar, and former Van Halen bassist Michael Anthony. You uh, know, root note Anthony. Uh, dunk, yeah. dunk, dunk, dunk. Who could play the best A note? Michael Anthony. Yeah, Michael Anthony. So this happened in 2004 and uh, when they disbanded here. <laughs> God, you guys are so rough. Uh, well, <laughs> it's true, though. It's I true. swear to God, it's like true. anybody. Nice guy. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah, but you could go back and listen to any Van Halen song, any of them. And it's always got that and root it's note. it's always the root note of A. It's Dude, go and listen to uh, the, the best song to demonstrate that is Running With The Devil. Yeah. And it's just do, do, do. Yeah. The whole do, song. Do, do, do. The whole time. It's just that note. And then you hear. Yeah. Do, do. But in the ba- background, it's do, do. Yeah. <laughs> Same with jump, you know that. Yeah, that's what I thought he was doing earlier. Was and jump. then all of a sudden it comes in the jump. That's it. The whole song. He knew how to ride that. He he wrote that note. But listen, he also wrote it all the way to the bank. So whatever. Yeah, it's true. Whatever works. He's got more money than all of us combined. Right. A little bit. So Neil Sean also co-wrote songs alongside the band Bad Company, while keyboardist Jonathan Kane released another solo album. All these albums and bands. See, don't don't feel bad when we start a new project. I, I, I'm not because right? look at this. Because these guys did, <laughs> yeah, they, and they're way speak. older than we are. Right. So, recording a few songs between 2000 and 2002, Journey released a four-track EP titled Red 13 in November under the uh, their new label, Journey Music. The band chose the uh, album cover design through a fan contest with the online cover designed by fan Kelly McDonald. However, the retail cover was only made available at the band's shows and was designed by Christopher Payne, which leads me to believe that they didn't have a distribution deal. Yeah. So, whatever. Journey only performed one club gig in support of the EP, but later began another tour of the U.S. from May to August of 2003. They continued touring the following year with another summer tour titled Summer Detour, which began in June and concluded in September 2004. Do you have... Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Because this is about the time when this happened. Do you have information about The Hills, the TV show? Mm-mm. So that's what blew them up I don't again. think so. Oh, wait. Actually, I think we do talk about that. Oh, okay. but go ahead. Go ahead. What, do it. Well, The Hills, you remember that show on MTV? Yeah. Where it's all the spoiled kids that live yeah, on the beach? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they started, they started playing Don't Stop Believing in that show as the theme song. And then it blew up like wildfire. All the young kids discovered Journey. They discovered Don't Stop Believing. They, it was played on all the touch tunes. I mean, it skyrocketed them up again. Just because of that TV I show. I mean, it's a good song. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It, it was is, a, it's a good song. rough show, but yeah. yeah so in, yeah. in November, the, the show sucked. <laughs> let's be honest. The show was horrible. So in November of that year, Journey joined Ario Speedwagon. Wow. Who I love me some Ario Speedwagon. Know, can you name one Ario Speedwagons? God, you always put me on blast, and I'm like, I yeah, get Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect headlights. you to know. That's how young he is. I know Ario Speedwagon. I probably, know, you probably won't get one. I know Ario Speedwagon. Um, there's um, 
Mm. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, yeah, buddy. What if you only had You're in the mix. Chance. Don't they do a... Uh, How about... Should have seen it by the look in your eyes, baby. Yeah. There think was GTA. something yeah. missing. That's why, honestly, where uh, I know yeah. R.E.S.P. Wagon from. It's on Vice City. Yeah, Vice yeah, City. Yeah, That's yeah. all I listen to. I would fly around with my little, you know, with the cheat codes. Keep, and Keep on loving you. Yeah. I can remember keep. that song being on the radio and my babysitter, who I had a crush on at the time. Oh, yeah. Ah, really? Her boyfriend came over. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm like, I don't even know, like seven, yeah. whatever it was. And her boyfriend came over and I was so heartbroken. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. She was yeah, like yeah. 16, 17 years old. And I'm like <laughs> in the corner yeah. crying. And I remember that song playing in the background. Ario Speedwagon. It messed me up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. And it's gone downhill ever since. <laughs> but they were also on tour with Sticks. Oh, oh Mr. Roboto. Yeah. Come say no way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Look at you. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. I am the modern man. <laughs> secret, secret. I got a secret. <laughs> so this tour <laughs> took place around the Caribbean uh, uh, Caribbean Sea here aboard the Triumph cruise ship. Oh, was it a booze cruise? Yeah, which sounds miserable to me because I can't stand boats, but it sounds horrible. Could you imagine being stuck on a boat with Ugh. all that? Our boys in Nonpoint do that all the I time, know, man. The, the, with that well, metal they, one they, they do. They call it something. Was it Wait, they have a metal cruise ship? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, we got to go. Nope. I will I will drug you the hell up. No. You can't, you can't do boats? <laughs> no. Really? No. What, not even with drama me? No. No, he can't do boats because he's afraid of the water. No, I get extremely nauseous. It's bad. Uh, we went on a cruise, and we went to... Uh, um, they, they say, like, when you're on a cruise ship, you freaking went. Dude, I was sick the entire time. Did you try drumming me in there? Yeah, my wife gave me some stuff. It didn't work? I had to stay drunk. Really? I had to stay drunk. Wow. Because if not, wow. I was just laying well, in bed. That makes, like, that makes sense, though, because, you know, everything starts spinning, and the ocean kind of, they just, there's a, an equilateral right I there. did not like it. Oh, man. Oh, sir, I do not like that. So in 2005, the members Don't of Journey... Don't ever do mushrooms. No, no. Because <laughs> you're on a boat for like 24 hours. Dude, <laughs> you of all people know how screwed up I am. That would be the worst thing in the world for me. imagine him on mushrooms? Like, he's just like, oh my God. And all these little demon fans like, John, come into water. It's nice. He's like, skin. Ah. Yeah. skin. I'd be like freaking Annalise Michelle over here. Yeah. In German and Latin. Yeah, yeah, it would be bad. It would be really Don't bad. Don't worry, I'll just come at you with the ni hao. <laughs> <laughs> be like, why is your face melting? <laughs> so they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, the Hollywood Hall, uh, Walk of Fame in 2005 alongside former members Steve Perry, uh, Dunbar, George Tickner, Steve Smith, and Fleischman. Rolly was the only member who did not appear at the ceremony. Oh. Salty. Surprised to see Steve Perry joining them to accept the in- induction with the band, Valerie commented that it was very pleasant. A, a, excuse me, a pleasant surprise to see him. So that's cool. No hard feelings there. That's cool. Yeah. Following their addition to the Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame, the band uh, began recording at the uh, excuse me record plant in Sausalito, California, for their 12th studio album, Jeez. Generations, which featured producer Kevin Elson, who had collaborated with the band before. The album was released on August 29th in Europe with a North American release following uh, October 4th. The album peaked at number 170 on the Billboard charts. See, so notice like it goes up and now it's coming back down. Yeah, yeah, it's always a pattern. To promote the album and celebrate the band's 30th anniversary, the band embarked on a tour starting in Irvine, California in June and concluding in Phoenix in October. Working. Each concert on tour was three hours long with an intermission and featured many of their classic hits and, and included their the new songs from the album Generations, oh which God. sold only 100,000 copies. That is terrible. Like, why would you want to sit? I mean, I get 
I get people want to hear the hits, right? Obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what, what that's, that's what a big thing. Literally, now. They all go they the go show. for is yeah. just for the hits. It is so, huge in all these throwback '90s so then bands. Don't play your new stuff if it's not a hit. Don't play it. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, that's one thing I, I I I'm not a big fan of. If I go to see somebody, like if I really like them, yeah, I want to see like their. I probably know their new song before I go. Yeah. But if I don't know them and I knew like you know a few songs and I liked them or whatever, then you get up there and you're like. I never liked that. Like every time I would go see a band, like I go see Lincoln Park or Corn yeah. or whatever, or Seven Dust, you know, like they would play like, "Oh, this is our new song." It's like, no, I don't want that. I want to hear the, <laughs> I want the, the ones goodies. I like. Yeah, the play goodies. blind, play yeah. blind. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> nice. He didn't get it, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all good. It's an older generation yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. So in 2006, <laughs> what the hell? That's fine. Don't explain. In 2006, the band toured Europe and joined Def Leppard on a North American tour. Yes. yes. During the tours, know. however, there was talk that a Gary, okay, the new Steve, was not singing, but instead using backing tracks to cover up his bad vocals. Uh-oh. Those allegations resulted in him getting attacked by the fans. Gary had suffered from vocal attrition uh, problems or whatever uh, before the band actually went on tour, so his voice was messed up before they even went out. In addition, Journey had been accused of using pre-recorded lead vocals before an accusation that former manager Herbie Herbert insists was true. Wow. I'll never forget the time that you're But he's dead. also jaded. I'll never forget the time that you're dead. We went to a, a concert at the Agora. Mm-hmm. And this is, we were young back then. And we, we were, were young once. <laughs> yeah. And you had like, I don't know, because you knew people there or whatever, but you got us like pretty much like right on the stage, on the side stage. And we we saw Power Man 5000. Nice. And I was so into it because I always loved Power Man 5000. Yeah. And I look over at your dad and he's sitting there and he's just shaking his head. And I'm like, what? And he points. He points behind the guitar player. There's a rack that's holding equipment. He goes, you see that? I said, yeah. Those are dat tapes. I'm like, what? He's like, watch the singer. And that Spider One guy, he would turn his head like he's jumping. And when he would turn his head, the mic would be away like this. Like, see how the mic's away from my voice? You can't yeah. Hear. It would be clear as day like he's singing into the mic. So you could tell that he was not actually singing. Yeah, it, it was on a tape. A lot of bands uh, do that a yeah, lot. Yeah, I've experienced that with a few shows I've yeah. been to. That yeah. was the very first time like that ever hit me and I ever realized it. And then I started noticing everywhere else. So you ruined that for me. Thank yeah, you. you're welcome. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I can't go to a show now. I'm like, I'm like fixing it. I'm I'll like, never please. forget that, though. When you, you pointed that out and I saw it and I'm like, no. And you're like, watch him. And then I saw him jumping. And when he was missing the mic, he was still clear as day. I'm like, oh, son of a monkey. Dude, there's bands that, that okay, so singer-wise, okay, I kind of get it if you use it for like certain notes and stuff like if you can't hit that one note that was really popular in a song or whatever and it happens to be on tape okay i get it but when you're a guitar player and your guitar parts are on tape yeah that's bad i'm like uh uh-uh i don't like that you know who and i man i don't want to throw them under the bus i'm not throwing anyone under the bus but there is a band that we saw recently that um his he's a drummer and his vocals are all on tape seven does why did you say that (laughs) You know what? They, they talked about ending it. Did they? Morgan did. Oh, I think Morgan's uh, I mean, kind of had it. Yeah. So that's why and I listen, bring that up. I am near not, 30 years, man. I am not negating Morgan Rose and the rest of the guys in 7S because I freaking love them so much. Oh, great guys. And I can only imagine what it's like to be playing like he does and trying to, like, you know, sing and scream and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it, I don't... There's been a couple shows I've been to, and I'm like, oh, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, but listen, whatever. I get it. Well, he used to I wear the it. little headset thing, too. And yeah. I was always like, well, how is that so clear? Yeah. Those mics aren't <laughs> you know, they're, yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are like. Right. 
So in a later press statement, the band Journey here announced that Gary had to step down as Journey's lead singer and leave the tour to recover. So wait a minute, was or was he not on tape? Well, seems kind of obvious now, right? Right. Gary performed his last show with Journey on July 4th in Raleigh. With the tour still happening and successful, the band quickly hired Jeff Scott Soto from Talisman as their lead vocalist for the tour. Okay, He performed as Journey's vocalist on July 7th in Bristow for the first time. Because of his, his success, or its success and popularity, the band later extended the tour to November. Okay, Soto was officially announced as, as the band's new vocalist in December of 2006. So if you're keeping track, that's five lead singers. Wow. Yikes. Right. Following tours of Europe and the United States in 2007, the band announced on June 12th that Scott Soto was no longer with them. What? <laughs> Did you mention being a Journey fan? It's got to be like being a Browns fan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Like, every year it's yeah. different. Yeah. It's just like, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah, different quarterbacks every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Such good aspirations for him. Oh, yeah. well, he sucked. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. In a statement, Neil Sean stated, quote, he did a tremendous job for us and we wish him the best. We've just decided to go our separate ways. No pun intended. Did it? He said that. That wasn't me messing around. Yeah, that's 100%. It's pretty clever. Not yeah. A, uh, yeah. yeah, and he said, we're plotting our next move. It's cheeky. I like that cheeky stuff, yeah. especially coming from bands, because they know that, you know, their big hit oh, is yeah. cheesy, and you know what I mean? Following Soto's exit from the group, the band was without a lead vocalist once again. So Neil Sean began searching YouTube for a new lead vocalist, with Jeremy Hunsicker of the Journey tribute band Frontiers auditioning and spending a week with the band writing material. Hunsicker claims to have been formally offered the position, but it fell through shortly following tension with Neil Sean. Mm. However, one of the tracks co-written with Hunsicker, Never Walk Away, later appeared on the Revelation album. Neil Sean later found Filipino singer Arnel Pineda of the cover band The Zoo covering the song Faithfully. Our version is arguably better, just saying. <laughs> Sean was so impressed that I he- know Neil sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sean was so impressed that he contacted Pineda to set up two days of auditions with him. The auditions went well, and they later named him the official lead vocalist of Journey on December 5th, 2007. So if this other guy, Hunsicker, was actually officially offered the role, that means seven singers now. This this one blew my mind, though. I remember when this happened because he sounds exactly. That's that's the same guy to this day, right? Like Stephen Perry. I mean, he's like identical voice-wise to see. Yeah, at least so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the little Filipino guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, his saying, voice is he crazy, just like, like him. It's so weird how he is. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. cray, cray. Yeah, copy paste, man. So in two thousand seven, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or was he a clone? Oh, maybe. In 2007, the hit song Don't Stop Believing" gained coverage and sharp growth and popularity when it was used in a television series finale of The Sopranos. Oh, okay. Well, oh, it was used okay. there too. Yeah. Prompting digital downloads of the song to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the Sopranos finale also pissed a lot of people off. <laughs> anyway, so in November of 2007, Journey entered the studio with Pineda to record the studio album Revelation. So many albums. The album was released on June 3rd, 2008. It debuted at number five on the Billboard charts, selling more than 196,000 units in its first two weeks and right. staying in the top 20 for six weeks. All right, not bad. Yeah. As a multi-disc set, however, each unit within that set counts as one sale. Oh. All right, which I didn't know. Journey also found success on Billboard's adult contemporary chart, where their single, After All These Years, spent over 23 weeks peaking at number nine. Revelation, this new record, or that record, um, sold, um, up to date right now, a little over a million copies. Wow. 
Yeah, just a little. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah a just a little. Dude, I would take freaking a hundred thousand. You know what I mean? Like, shoot, at yeah. this point, ten thousand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> On February 21st, 2008, Pineda performed for the first time with Journey in front of 20,000 fans in Chile. The band began the Revelation tour in the UK in June, continuing the tour into uh, North America, Asia, Europe, and South America, concluding, I don't know why I stuttered on that. Today, Junior. I couldn't get the engine to turn over. Come on. He concluded in October. He's got wham on the brain. I've been whammed. Yes. So receipts for the 2008 tour made Journey one of the top-grossing concert tours of the year, bringing in over $35 million. Mm. You got to think about, like, Journey fans, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're, like, just everyday working people and probably dual-income families. So mm -hmm. they're going to sell out wherever they go they, because they, they draw a big net, I guess you could say. Think yeah. about that. 35 mil for a tour. That's crazy. That's just one tour. That's not even album sales. That's, That's not the other tours. That's one tour. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> in uh, uh, December of two, uh, 2008, Revelation was certified platinum by the RIAA. Wow. So the band performed at the Super Bowl 43 pregame show in Tampa, Florida on February 1st, 2009, which I don't remember for some reason. I don't remember reason. that either. Yeah. What year? Uh, 2009. Yeah, yeah really not that so, long ago yeah. if you think about it. Huh. Yeah. The band continued their Revelation tour in May and concluded it in October of 2009. They also performed in Manila in front of 30,000 fans. Wow. Recorded for a live release live in Manila. In 2009, okay, mm -hmm. Don't Stop Believing became the top-selling song on iTunes among those released before 2000 with over 500,000 downloads. Okay, so that might have been from the hills. Maybe that's what that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would have been around that time. I but think, I mean, so. like you made a song in the what late seventies, early eighties. Wait till we get to the news. I have an interesting story. Uh, okay, good. The, which you've, I'm sure you've heard about. Cool. Journey uh, then uh, entered Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California, in 2010 with Pineda to record their next studio album, Eclipse. The album was released in May 24th, 2011, and debuted at number 13 on the Billboard 200 charts with the singles "City of Hope" and "Human Fill." Human feel, not Phil. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> Eclipse could not match the success of Revelation, barely yeah. selling 100,000 copies. It's that lightning in a bottle thing we yeah. always talk about. I mean, when you got crazy hits like Don't Stop Believing, mm -hmm. Any Way You Want It, Separate Ways, that's what people want to hear every hear. time. Yeah. Every time. If you don't bring that, yeah, they're, they're yeah, out. Yeah. So they later toured the United Kingdom in June, uh, June of 2011 with Foreigner and Sticks again. Journey was awarded the Legend of Live Award at the Billboard Touring Awards in October, and the band later released Greatest Hits number 2 in November of 2011, and I couldn't find any stats on that. Yeah. I could not find them anywhere. Like, I saw the track listing, but there was no, like, sale records or anything for it. So maybe it didn't sell anything. I don't know. But I couldn't find anything on it. Hmm. In June of 2015, drummer Dean Castronavo was arrested following a domestic altercation. Journey fi uh, fired him in August and was replaced by Omar Hakim on the band's 2015 tour. He was sentenced to four years probation after pleading guilty to domestic violence charges. Hmm. Can't do that. Yeah. In 2016, Steve Smith again returned as uh, Journey's drummer, reuniting all of the Escape Frontiers trial by fire, those albums, mm -hmm. that lineup, except for Steve Perry. In 2018, during the North American tour with Def Leppard, Journey topped the Billboard Hot Tours list for grossing more than $30 million. <sighs> Over 17 shows. So how would you like to be the singer from the Philippines that mm -hmm. like literally grew up in a hut? And <laughs> I'm telling I don't know you. About a hut. Well, Philippines are like... <laughs> 
It's I mean, when they show the videos from where he came from, because he, he takes seen, that bet. Hold on. You suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, that's, that's for Jeff. I've seen the documentary on him. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Oh, did he actually live in a hut? Yeah, it was oh, like shit. like a shack. Okay, we'll okay. call it a shack. It was okay. a bung- bungalow, and like he had nothing, like literally nothing. And now he's making thirty. Well, not he's not making thirty-five, but he's getting a portion of that. Oh for yeah. Sure. Could you I imagine that? Nothing. No, that would. I mean, I mean, literally coming from nothing and mm. then being thrown right into I'm this. I'm sure it'd be amazing. To be honest with you, I don't know how I'd react, even if living in the house that I'm in now. If somebody came in and said, "Hey, here's thirty million dollars for seventeen shows," you'd be like, "Bye, <laughs> bye." I'm See going ya. on the road. <laughs> hey, you need someone to carry your stuff for you. Absolutely, right? <laughs> chainsaw. I will need a runner. Exactly. Yeah. See, I got. I get your M and M's for you, bud. Don't yeah. worry. There you go. <laughs> so on March third, twenty twenty. Neil, Sean, and Kane announced that they had fired Smith and Valerie and were suing them for an alleged attempted corporate coup d'etat. Oh, oh Seeking damages over $10 million. Jeez. The lawsuit alleged Smith and Valerie tried to assume control of Nightmare Productions because they incorrectly believed that Nightmare Productions controls the journey name and their mark. Okay. And the, to, quote, hold the journey name hostage and set themselves up with a guaranteed income stream after they stopped performing. Valerie and Smith contested the firings with the support of former manager Herbie Herbert hmm. and former lead singer Steve Perry. Yeah, so he's in on this. It sounds wow. like he got out at the right time. Yep. The court filings revealed that Steve Perry had been paid as a band member for years despite not performing. In an open letter dated the, that same day, Neil, Sean, and Kane stated Smith and Valerie, quote, are no longer members of Journey and that Sean and Kane have lost confidence in both of them and are not willing to perform with them again. It, they actually stated this. Valerie countersued uh, Neil, Sean, and Kane for their uh, partnership's claim of owning the Journey trademark and service um, mark. The the logo, basically, is what it is. Okay. So in June 2020, Neil, Sean announced via his social media page that a new album with Jackson. Yeah. You know, Randy Jackson. Oh, gosh. And Walden, that we talked about before, was starting to take shape. This is in 2020. The following month, he confirmed the album's progress and that they would release new music in early 2021. In January of 2021, 20, uh, he announced that the album's first single would be released later that year with the possibility of a worldwide tour to follow. In April of 21, the band reached an amicable settlement with former members Valerie and Smith, confirming they were no longer a part of Journey. The single, The Way We Used to Be, was released on June 24th of 2021. Dude. I have not heard that. That's almost like, what, 50 years now that we're talking? Uh, 70 what two 73 is when they started close right? yeah it's getting there yeah like dude yeah. that's 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 intense that's crazy like camping <laughs> so in july of 2021 neil sean confirmed that deal costranovo had rejoined as a second drummer okay second drummer so, so they have two yeah. drummers they have two drummers playing that's yeah. just insanity yeah. yeah so here you go on february 16th of this year the band announced the title and track listing of their upcoming 15th studio album Freedom, which is set to be released on July 8th of 2022. That's What's the date today? That's a couple weeks. It's uh, a couple weeks from now. Wow. Yeah. On March 1st, 2020, uh, 2022, uh, Kane confirmed that neither Walden nor Randy Jackson remained in the lineup, with Walden's dipping out following a minor heart attack following a live show in Pennsylvania. Nevertheless, they both still played on the record as they had completed their parts in the album before departing. The second single, You Got the Best of Me, was released on April of uh, April 26th on 20, uh, 2022. The third single, Let It Rain, was released just recently on May 17th, 2022. Today is, what, the 23rd of June? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So uh, you guys make sure you're on the lookout for Journey's new album. They played uh, the Rock and New Year's Eve this year. Did they? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they were like late, late, late in the night. It was after the ball dropped and everything, but they played Don't Stop Believing. Damn. Yeah. Well, according to the Record uh, Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA, Journey has sold 48 million albums in the U.S., wow. making them the 25th best-selling band. In addition, their worldwide sales have reached over 80 million records globally, globally making them one of the world's best-selling bands of all time. This week in music news. We actually got some news this week. Yay! I mean, not a lot. Okay. But some stuff. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Yeah, is what yeah, you're yeah. saying? Okay. Uh, so you know the Rolling Stones. I know you're not a fan. Yeah. Well, Mick Jagger tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, did he? Yeah, so Aww. they had to cancel their, or postpone their tour. Okay. But here's the thing. Mick Jagger's like, what, 80, almost 90? Yeah. Yeah. So that's not good. It's not good at yeah, all. Isn't it like his baby mama, the new one? Isn't she like, I don't know, eight? You know, yeah. She's like young. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, Ozzy just got over COVID, so I don't know. But then again, Ozzy's kind of immortal. Ozzy's never going to die. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, never. So we'll be keeping an eye out for old Mick Jagger. Yeah, there. I hope Hopefully he's okay. He yeah. gets through it. I hope he's okay. Um, you know, we were talking about earlier about a hit reoccurring later in life. Yeah. Like with uh, Don't Stop Don't Believing. Believing, yeah. You're familiar with Stranger Things, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know this Kate Bush song? Yeah. It's going the, viral. Running up the hill. So it's been number one for a while now. Of course it is. Since it aired. Of course. Okay. I found out. I did a little research on it. Okay. Kate Bush owns 100% of the writer and producer credits on that song. Oh, boy. It's making over a million dollars a week since that show (laughs) aired. Wow. We're talking about a song that's 37 years old. I was talking to Charlie, um, my daughter, yesterday um, about that song because she's a huge Stranger Things fan. She's going to be 14 or 15. And I'm like, I don't remember that song from my childhood. I don't either. I have no idea. I love the song. I think it's a great song, yep. especially like when it's referenced in that whole montage, not yeah. montage, but that series of events that took place in Stranger Things. Right. I love the song, but I was like, I don't even know that song. Well, so here's some fun facts about that song. So Kate Bush has been known to not release that. Other people have tried to get that song for soundtracks and TV shows and whatnot. And she says, no, 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 no. All these years. The Duffer brothers who do Stranger Things convinced her. They're like, listen, here's what we got. And they explained the whole scene with like Max and Vecna and all that crap. And she like she was a fan of Stranger Things, so she was like, Okay, okay, I'll let you use it. And she's making a million dollars a week now. That's crazy. Thirty seven years later after she released that, that is song. Awesome. Good for her. That's Could you imagine? Great. Could you imagine like releasing a song and in thirty seven years that you think it's all done and over with and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, here's a million dollars. Hey, here's another million dollars. Hey, here's another million dollars. As long as I can spend it before I die, I'm good. Like unbelievable. Give so it to good me. for her. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so that's Kate Bush. Uh, you might like these this news, okay? So okay. The Mars Volta, they're coming back. What? They got a new album set to come out here in about a month, and they're setting up a tour. Really? Start in L.A., yeah. Mars Volta. The wow. original lineup, too. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good that's to hear. Neat. I like the Mars Volta. Um, here's a... I, mean, I just brought this up because <laughs> I know you don't like him. But, oh, boy. Uh, Motley Crue has been bringing out Machine Gun Kelly to open up for them on their t- on this joke tour that they're doing. Nice. <sighs> He's going to ruin another band. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? No, no. It's all right. It's all oh, right. God. So that's, Which, uh, is he opening up for them? Yeah. He's starting out in Atlanta. 
I guess when they when they hit Atlanta, he's going to start opening for but, them. Uh, for, isn't he in like like the poppy punk it's stuff? Because he played Tommy Lee in the movie. That oh, so yeah, the, yeah. The connection yeah, yeah, is there, yeah, so they figured, yeah. well, the fans of MGK will like Motley Crue. Motley yeah. Crue could sell more records. Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't. <laughs> I'm not happy with what how this whole Motley Crue thing. It's just yeah. It's a pile of crap. They got. They got to. It's just like Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. You got to just just be done. Yeah. You guys did amazing things. Be done. You know. So uh, no deaths this week. No deaths, as far as I know. No, okay, um, that could change. Obviously, always. I think we sk- escaped it for this week. Yeah, always, so. always. So listen, make sure to follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media channels. Just search for Icons and Outlaws wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and connect with your favorite people. We produce another amazing podcast called The Midnight Train. And if you're into unsolved true crime, the paranormal, or anything mysterious, and can laugh at the craziness in all of it, we think you'll love it. You can find links to that and all the other great content we're putting out over at AccidentalDads.com, our centralized network hub. Lastly, please consider supporting both shows by signing up to be a Patreon producer over at Patreon.com forward slash accidental um, forward slash slash, <laughs> slash <laughs> accidental dads. But you can also go to uh, the Midnight Train Podcast.com or IconsAndOutlaws.com, and you can sign up over there as well. Where for as little as five bucks a month, you'll get all kinds of bonus episodes, exclusive content, discount codes, and merchandise for both shows. All right. So listen, that was Journey. Yeah. What a journey that was. We went on a journey with Journey. Damn. And I hope you guys learned something. Would, would because... you say we went our separate ways during this journey? <laughs> no. Hey, but you know what? Just don't stop believing. That's we'll right. Get there one day. Don't a- stop. Any believing. way you want it, buddy. Any way you want it. That's the way. It... God, Just keep I... your eye on the sky for the wheel. <laughs> So thank you so much. And in the immortal words of Steve Perry, who's crying now?
there, listener. We hope you enjoyed our song. And remember, you can listen to it anytime you want to on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to your favorite music. Just look up Icons and Outlaws. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.